Three years ago, we took you on a magical journey under the sea. Last year, we took you to a place where a beautiful girl looked into the heart of a beast and found the man of her dreams. Now, come with us and enter a whole new world beyond your imagination, where a boy discovers a magic lamp and a genie who can make all his dreams come true. 10,000 years will give you such a crick in the neck. So what'll it be, Master? I must have hit my head harder than I thought. Walt Disney Pictures presents Aladdin. You're a genie? That's right. He can be taught. You never had a friend like me. <laughs> Imagine a whole new world of excitement. Imagine carpet. Danger. Whoa, carpet, let's move. And enchantment. It's the story of a poor boy from the streets and a beautiful girl from a palace. Princess Jasmine. They were two very different people. The law says you must, must be, be married, married to, to a, a prince. Brought together by one incredible wish. What is it you want most? There's this girl. Pretty? Beautiful. Say l'amour. But she's the princess. To even have a chance, I'd have to be... Say the magic words. Genie, I wish for you to make me a prince. All right! <laughs> Hang on to your turban, kid. We're gonna make you a star. Prince Ali. But the evil sorcerer Jafar has learned the secret of Aladdin's power. He has the lamp. And he'll stop at nothing to steal it away. It's time to say goodbye. We'll just see about that. This is not done yet, boy. Imagine the world at your command. Genie, I need help. Jasmine won't even let me talk to her. No! Only to discover the greatest power is within. Remember, be yourself. Do you trust me? Aladdin, featuring six new songs from the Academy Award-winning composer of The Little Mermaid and Beauty and the Beast. Come over here, big group hug. Group hug. Never. Ever. Coming this holiday season, Walt Disney Pictures, Aladdin. You ain't never had a friend like me. This podcast is sponsored in part by Benjamin Hart. That's me! And yours truly, Zach Arnold. And by participation from listeners like you. So let's tune in to another episode of IPC. 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 The Intergalactic Peace Coalition Podcast. All the galaxies. All for you. Why, hello there, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome back to the Intergalactic Peace Coalition podcast, also known as the IPC, and we have a magical episode for you guys tonight. You may have heard about a little movie called Aladdin that came out recently, and yes, we'll be getting to that movie pretty soon, but not tonight. We're going to be going back to where that movie came from tonight, starting with the 1992 classic from Disney, Aladdin, the original animated classic, the movie that literally came out the year I was born, and 
I watched it the other night for the first time in like 20 years. So this has been a ride. And also I have seen the new Aladdin. So I'll be sharing with you guys a little review and to, to give you a little taste of what you're you should be expecting from that movie if you haven't seen it and uh you know hopefully encourage you to go out and see it because i give it a thumbs up i give it i i think it's pretty good i think you guys are going to enjoy it i think you're going to enjoy our discussion but for right now we're going to dive into the 92 version and talk about that but before we get into it of course introductions are in order if you are unfamiliar my name is ben and joining me as he always does it is my good friend and co-host mr zach arnold zach how are you doing tonight? Dude, I'm actually really excited. It's been a pretty long time since I watched the original animated Aladdin, and there's a lot of things about it that I didn't remember from my last viewing that I yep. ended up catching on today, and it was really cool to see. Uh, it, it, part of it was nostalgia. Part of it was experiencing things from a new lens, and all in all, it was really fun to uh to to go back down memory lane for a little bit there and uh just get to to put the songs into their proper context you know how like uh, pandora will have those disney playlist shuffles for you and you'll hear these songs playing to have the context of it was really fun uh to see the animation style again was really really fun their their use of of color tones in this movie is really exquisite uh, very different from anything else that we've seen from n- 90s um, Disney movies, Disney animated features. And uh, it was just, it was really good. I, I really liked it. I haven't seen the live action version yet. I will be seeing it soon, though. And uh, I'm curious to uh, to be able to do like a an actual comparison between the two. But for now, just focusing on the animated one feels right to me because, like I said, it's probably been a solid five or six years since I've seen this movie. Yeah, you're you're doing better than I have because, like I said, I I watched this movie probably on loop when I was a kid. As I said, came out a few months after I was born. I wasn't even a year old when this thing hit theaters originally, and so you know, and it was probably playing on loop probably when I was in the crib. So like it. It's a movie. You're talking that about has the literal from... crib. You're not talking about your house now. You're talking about like no, the actual no. baby crib. No, no, no figurative speech here. Like literally, <laughs> probably I was hanging out in my crib, um, my literal baby crib, <laughs> and Latin was on in the thing because we had the VHS because that's the thing that we watched Wait, movies the, on back the what in the day, now? kids. The what now? The, the, what is that? The VHS. We put it in the VCR. We just lost like half our audience because they're like, what the, the heck the, is that? The VUS with the Vooker? The what? I, I, I have no idea. I have I, no idea. Here's, yeah, here's, so, here's, here's, here's four words for you. I'm going to say the first two. You're going to say the last two, and we're going to prove that we're from the 90s. Are you ready? All right. My, my two words are this and then I'm going to I'm going to see if you got your two last words. Be kind. Oh. Why am I missing this? What? I'm Come not on. from the 90s. I'm not from the 90s, I guess. Uh, Be kind. Mm. What? Uh, I'm missing something here. There there's it's a total of four words. You had it on every rental VHS ever in existence. Oh. Oh my god, this is, okay, no joke, a friend of mine just showed me a picture of of one of a rental that he got, a a disc, and in 
the disc behind the disc, which doesn't make any sense because you don't do this to a disc, but the little sticker behind the disc said, be kind, rewind. (laughs) See, at my local Blockbuster, at my local Hollywood video, even at my public library, every cassette that I ever borrowed on the left-hand panel had a sticker the left-hand plastic panel had a sticker that said, Be kind, please rewind. Every that, one I mean, of them. That was a big deal. That was a big yeah. deal. Like, yeah, if you wanted... And, like, you... If, you, if, you, if you owned a movie, like, yeah. and you get lazy, and you go, Oh, I'll rewind that later. And then when the next time you want to watch the movie, you're like, you put it in, and it's all the way to the end. You're like, oh, crap. It's showing you so the you gotta... end credits. Yeah. So you have to watch the movie in reverse sped up just so you can watch it going forward and it takes a solid like five to seven minutes for it to do that yeah and you're just sitting there going oh i remember that scene i remember that scene i i don't remember that scene but when i watch it in regular it'll probably make sense to me and then you can really piss off the person at the video store when you don't rewind it and possibly get a get a charge or an extra fee or maybe you know get a fee back for rewinding it if you were responsible enough to do so. See, I don't remember getting fined for it, but I do remember being a troll at my library a couple of times, and I'm like, I don't feel kind today. I'm not rewinding. And I just would, like, fast-forward it all the way to the very, very end. Like, after the end credits, everything, every possible piece of that spool of tape was on the right-hand side. And oh, I, that that was being a 90s troll back in the day. It was like not rewinding your video cassettes. That's that. Yeah, that was that's, re- that's the ultimate trolling. Do you remember those specially designated machines designed for rewinding your cassettes faster? Yeah, I think I remember because I knew people that worked at video stores. So, so I was like kind of more up on like the whole process. <laughs> So there, there were some that you could buy for your home. I remember we had them at one point. It was, oh, wow. it was like portable. It was like as big as your actual video cassette. It wasn't as big as a VCR. It was about half that size. Um, and you just slid your your video cassette inside it, and you pressed down, and it just like automatically started. It was like, and it just rewound it for you in like two minutes. Like it was a wow. lot faster than putting it in the VCR, and it was just. And then there's a little button that you could, like, eject it at any time. That way, if you wanted to skip the previews, you could pop it out, look at how much tape had been taken out, and you think, okay, yeah, that's about as much as what the previews would be, so we might be pretty close to the movie. And you would pop it in, and maybe you've missed, like, the first two minutes, but you're like, eh, I'm not rewinding it now. And, and that's you just another go thing. from there. Pre- that's another thing. Previews. I remember, mm-hmm. I, I can still, like, remember the Jim Cummings voiceover from certain previews because if you watched a movie, there was no skipping the previews. Nope. They were there. They were part of nope. the movie. That was and like, part I remember, of your experience. I'm, yep. I remember like, which was, and sometimes it was great. And like, you didn't really think much about it. But like, I remember having like a one VHS copy of A New Hope. And like the first part of it is a like a behind the scenes documentary. Like it was great. But like, if you wanted to watch the movie, you either have to watch that or you have to fast forward through it. Yep. Yep, that's why I was so, like, amazed by the idea of scene selection when my friend introduced me to DVDs. Because the I think the very first DVD I ever watched 
was The Phantom Menace. Mm, yep. And we got to skip all the way to the Duel of the Fates. And I was so excited because I was like, wait a second. You mean we get to pick and choose what parts we want to watch? We just skipped all the boring parts, man. (laughs) (laughs) I was so excited that I got to see the laser swords and the blasters and Jar Jar knocking stuff up. I was just like, oh, my gosh, that was so cool. And I didn't have to sit through the other boring stuff. Yeah. I was on cloud nine when uh, yeah the whole the whole the whole concept of like bonus features and, and you know going to a certain scene you know or picking up where you left off or whatever like it was totally different DVDs are just mind blowing. Uh, speaking of cloud nine, have you ever seen the show Superstore? Um, I've seen commercials for it. But I have not seen the show itself. So far, I'm really enjoying it. Really? I, I just found it on Hulu, and I am really, really into it. I I can't really explain why, because it doesn't have that documentary style of The Office or Parks and Rec, but it's got very similarly empowered characters to both of those shows, and yet it's set in retail yeah. instead of in an office or a government complex. And so it's, like, different but the same. And I don't know how NBC comes up with those different formulas, but, like, it's it's funny. I've enjoyed it. I'm into season two already, and I've only been watching it for, like, a day or two. So, yeah, whenever I've got free time, I'm watching Friends, Parks and Rec, or I'm checking out Superstore. As someone who works with the public, not in a retail sense, but you know, in a restaurant sense, yep. I feel like I could I could relate to to the characters a bit more. I probably. feel like you probably could. It might be a little too relatable, though. It might hit a little too close to home. Yeah, maybe so. Sometimes it can. Sometimes it can. But it's all good. Oh man, <laughs> see, that's the thing about something like Parks and Rec is, even though it's really crazy and funny and out there, it's not relatable to me. Friends, yeah. is, Friends is a lot more relatable to me, even though it's set in the 90s and early 2000s, because it's just a bunch of people kind of goofing off, you know, and and, yeah. and they're just experiencing life together. I really feel like if we were able to get people from our group chats to have like an actual hangout, we could recreate our own modern Friends sitcom. <laughs> totally good. Really. Like the, the types of people that we've got, um, I, I don't know, we'll... I, I feel like I feel like we, we could have like the the hopeless romantic or the the goofy one or the the womanizer. Who would be the womanizer in our group? I feel like it would be Dominic. <laughs> what is your definition of womanizer? I don't know. It's just not me. <laughs> I feel like I feel bad putting that on someone like I don't know what that means. That sounds the, bad. The, the the Joey or the Barney Stinson of the group. Yeah. Um oh who who would who would that be? I we'll have to think about that. We'll have to come up with like our, our group friends scenario and then tag people in it or something. <laughs> but I'll well, I'll tell the, you that's the thing with those shows, is like you and this thing is you know, like you're a big friends fan, I'm a big Seinfeld fan, and like those shows like there's characters in there that are insane. That are yeah. like caricatures of themselves, but Ultimately, they are so relatable that you know someone like that. And you can always – there's always one situation like, 
oh yeah, that totally reminds me of that. Um, Joey did something that, like, yeah, I would do, or Kramer did this. Like, it's it's that's what make those shows so popular. That's oh, just they're they're freaking hilarious. Dude, is I, the fact that they're so relatable. I I tell you, I am probably the George of the group. That that is selling yourself short. <laughs> I I just I openly admit to recognizing that I mm, yeah. I'm I'm either the George or I'm the Chandler. I'm definitely the Chandler of a friends group. <laughs> and I'm probably Nick Miller from New Girl. I don't know if you've seen New Girl. On mm, uh, yeah. on on Parks and Rec, I'm either Ben Wyatt or Ron Swanson. I'm probably Ben Wyatt though. Um what other show? On the Office. Oh boy. Uh, I would like to be Stanley. I know I'm not older and I'm not a black man, but I feel like my spirit, I feel like my soul matches more closely with Stanley's than anybody else's. So uh-huh. just throwing that out there. I haven't figured out who my superstore caricature is yet, but I'm working on it. In, in, in truth, it's probably Glenn, but I don't want to admit that. <laughs> but I will tell oh, you, boy. I will tell you who my caricature from the movie we're supposed to be talking about is. It's definitely Raja. It's yeah. definitely I love Raja. I forgot how much I love Raja. Definitely Raja the Tiger. Raja steals the show in certain moments in this movie. A lot more than I was expecting him to. Also, really cool that he looked a lot like Shere Khan from The Jungle Book. I know that they probably borrowed uh, Shere Khan's design and stature to make this movie, but every time I looked at Raja, I was thinking of Shere Khan from The Jungle Book. Yeah, yeah, and that's one thing that I will say. Not, I'm not going to get into spoilers, but Raja isn't as good as in the new one, and he, he, he's not not as not as not as not as much emotion and not as much uh, you know stuff. But you know, the, he does get a few good parts. I heard it's the same voice actor that came back and did the voice or the voice, the sounds for Raja. So, well, that makes it all the better, doesn't it? <laughs> But I I swear the movie's good. The new one, you're gonna see it in a few days, and I hope everyone gets a chance to see it. Especially if you love this one. I, and and I'm like, yeah, it's in some ways it's not as good as the the this one, but in other ways I think it actually improves on it quite a bit. I think and I think as long as you just go in with an open mind and not expecting to have your mind blown by it and just appreciate it for what it is. I think there's a lot of good stuff in the new one. And and seeing both of them, you know, seeing the, you know, the new one for the first time and the older one for the first time in like 20 years for me, like it it was kind of like eye-opening to like, you know, remembering those old memories but also like this new one kind of mashing them all together. Um I really, you know, I love the I love the original. And I really like the new one, I think. I have a lot of thoughts on it. I've posted a little bit of them on Twitter and Facebook, but not near enough. So you guys are going to get an earful next week or whenever we get to talk about it. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm curious, like, what your, like, spoiler-free impressions are, though. Why don't we take a couple of minutes and just get some of it out in the open, stuff that you feel comfortable sharing anyways. Oh yeah, yeah, sure. Um I first in, first impressions my my the first thing that kind of popped into my mind is like I feel like the movie was as good as it could have been. You know, 
and that maybe that maybe sounds like a backhanded compliment. It sounds I, like you're I, selling it short just a little bit. It's like it had all of these circumstances going against it, and yet in spite of that, it didn't suck. <laughs> and maybe I am saying that, but maybe I'm I, I'm not trying to. I'm saying that in a way that this movie it it could have been bad. It could have been kind of this one note thing. I think it has a lot going for it, and I think again I think it improves on the thing. I think it takes the story that we know and modernizes it. And there's a lot of ways that it pays homage to it. There's several scenes that are taken verbatim, like certain like like moments like the the opening scene where uh Aladdin's getting chased around by the guards. Like there's several shots that are from the animated movie that are completely recreated verbatim in live action, which is great, but there's also some liberties taken with it. The first part of the movie, how Jasmine and Aladdin meet is completely different. Liberty, then... liberty, liberty, liberty. <laughs> what? You've never seen Liberty Mutual commercials? Yes, but I don't know what I said to trigger that. <laughs> <laughs> you said they take liberties with it. Oh, boy. <laughs> it's always with me with the unintentional uh, puns and jokes there. Thank I just make that. really weird connections in my head, dude. You should know that about me by now. We've done oh, over 200 episodes I, together. I am fully aware. I am fully aware. <laughs> I should have caught that. I should have. Um, but yeah, they took liberties. How Take that however you want. Um, but the the beginning is different. There's a lot of stuff in the middle, and the ending is... It's, it's a, don't go in expecting like a shot-for-shot shot remake is what I'm trying to say. The you know the, the climax is very different in the new one it, as opposed to thing and then like yeah I'm sorry spoiler alert there's no giant ja- Jafar doesn't turn into a giant snake I think that's kind of a given but it doesn't happen in the new one um, but I I think it's pretty good Jafar himself as a character I don't think shines as well as he could have um, but the actor's good. And I think the characterization, they do add a little bit more to his character. So I appreciated that, even though I wasn't, like, overly thrilled with this. Um, I think um, Mena Masu, I, I know I'm butchering his name, and I feel bad because he's amazing as Aladdin. He really does. And uh, Naomi Scott is also amazing as as uh, Jasmine. And, like, I said this online, like, I'm not necessarily rooting for them to do a sequel to this. Or do like a Return of Jafar thing. But if they did, I would go see it because of those two. Like, they were great. Um, and Will Smith, I think, as a genie, was... They 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 were deliberate in how they characterized him. And Will Smith, he's even talked in interviews like he said that, yeah, I know, I'm following Robin Williams. I don't want to touch that. And he didn't. He does his own thing. The first genie is 100% Robin Williams. And this genie is pretty much the same thing, but with Will Smith. Like, it's Will Smith as a genie. And I don't mean that as a critique. I'm saying I think it's good. I think it's, it stands on its own and is strong because Will Smith is this really charismatic, likable guy, and he conveys that in the performance and really makes it his own. Um, so... Overall, and I won't keep rambling too much because I know we got another movie to talk about, but like ultimately, I appreciate this movie. I liked it a lot. Um, even if I had a chance, I'd probably go see it again because I think I really enjoyed it. And I think if you're if you're willing to keep an open mind and willing not to just judge it based on the, the old one um, and go in and just enjoy it, I think you really will get a lot out of it. So 
I've been looking at the uh, the cast list online. Uh, there's there's one character that I really really enjoyed in the animated film that I'm curious about if you enjoyed them in this uh, 2019 live action rendition. Okay. I just found out that uh, the former uh, Wash from Fireflies and now venerable voice actor in the industry, Alan Tudyk, was the voice of Iago. Yeah. I I wouldn't go in expecting too much from him, to be honest. Which, really, which, which which sucks because they they in in this one in Aladdin thing Iago is one of my favorite parts. Like he's hilarious, you know. Like and he's a big part of the movie. He has a lot, of, and he's trying to like play this old game where he's trying to play the part of a parrot, but he really is like this dude that is constantly driving Jafar nuts and can speak like a normal human being. Um in the in the the new movie, he's more like a real parrot and they kind of play it more grounded in the sense of he's a parrot that can talk and he has a few lines here and there and he does do a few things. He is a kind of a part of the thing. He's always there and you and you'll you'll have scenes where it's just is Jafar is not even in the shop. But you'll see him flying around like there's a presence there, and he's in the movie and he has a part to play, but he's not a huge, not nearly as big as you'd want him to be. I think that's probably one of the downsides is that you think, and maybe you'll go in and maybe you'll think he's great. I he kind of blends in in most of the movie. He's not a huge part. That's such a bummer considering what a big role Iago plays in this movie. This animated one that we're talking about tonight. Yeah. Like, jeez, man. Iago is the one who who plants the idea in Jafar's head that he should marry Jasmine in order to become the sultan. He's the one who steals the lamp for Jafar in the in the second portion of the movie, the second act. He's the he's the one who provides the slapstick comedy during, you know, tense or awkward situations. Like Oh my gosh, he plays such a big role in this film. And then to hear that he plays almost no part in the new one, that's just a bummer. Yeah, yeah. And and maybe there was some stuff that I'm just not thinking about, but I, I there was no standout moments of like, okay, this. And just overall, you know, the new one is not as funny, and it's not supposed to be. I mean, it's it's more of a grounded thing. It's fun. It's still got the the bouncy, you know, singing and, and dancing, all this kind of stuff. It's it's really funny, especially when Will Smith's on screen. But like, it's it's more of a grounded story, more of a darker, for lack of a better term, story. That's not like the the, the original version is like you're laughing pretty much throughout the one, whereas the new one is more of like, okay, this is a more real, gritty version of the story. Okay. Hmm. And I hope I'm not bumming anyone out. I hope I'm not bumming you out because I really did enjoy it. But it they're different films. This is not a shot for shot remake. This is we took the story and we're doing something different with it. And, no, I get that. I get that. And and I think I think that may and that's just by nature is going to make some people happy and other people not. Like I like the fact that it's not the same movie that I can go in and see a different version of the story. But some people hear remake and they go oh I want to see the exact same movie again and that's obviously not the case really no I'm not I'm not trying to say that I'm bummed I, I'm, I'm obviously going to hold judgment until I actually see it but 
I just, I don't know. I think some of the things that really helped me embrace or re-embrace this 92 film was some of the comedy involved. There, there were some. There I some forgot how funny it was. There were some really good slapstick moments in there that my brother just adored. He loves slapstick comedy, and he actually told me he flat out told me I'm not interested in watching this. And I was like, I know that's not true. I know that if you give this a shot, you will like it. And he sits there and he watches things like when Aladdin jumps on a rope and like six or seven guards all crash into each other when they're trying to converge on where Aladdin was standing. And then they all fall over like a bunch of bowling pins. (laughs) Like I laughed at that. And I know that it's cheesy. I know that it's gimmicky, but I still laughed. I still enjoyed it. And I knew that he, that was something that he would like. But because he went into it knowing that I was kind of like twisting his arm to try it, he was trying not to laugh. (laughs) But by the second half of the film, when Jafar is trying to intercede and like keep Prince Ali away from the princess and then like the door slams on him and he like it gets crushed up against the wall and there's like cracks on the wall behind him from where he was. Like, as soon as he falls from that and Iago's got, like, little miniature Aladdins circling around his head the way birds spin around our head. Like, as soon as you got to stuff like that, my brother was practically on the floor. Okay? (laughs) This movie is funny. And I think that's one of its brightest uh, uh, aspects is that this 1992 film that we're talking about tonight, it was a good, solid family film. Uh, as much mystical energy and as much sorcery and and magic as it may have had from the genie to, you know, Jafar's uh, mystical powers at the end, even with all of those things, it was still an enjoyable family film with, with a good moral and a good story to it. And I, I really enjoyed what I watched. I... I wasn't sure what I was going to think, considering I hadn't seen it in five or six years. But watching it again just kind of reopened my eyes to some of the great imagination that was put into this film and made me kind of regret not watching it more as a kid. Yeah, it's it, it, and it's funny how you have very faint memories of this movie. Like I said, it's been a long time. And I was a kid when I, well, like, not even, like, a, a, a big kid. I was a little kid the last time I saw this movie. Like, it's been a long time. And it's funny how, like, certain things stuck out in my mind and it started coming back to me as I was watching it. So it was really, like, weird and just a, a strange experience. Like, oh, I remember that. Just, like, images and, and just, like, certain subtle things that kind of stuck out to me. I remember the basic plot, but... uh you know, it, it's it's kind of it, subconsciously it was there for me the whole time, and, and I but still I I forgot like how funny it is. Like people still look back at this movie, especially nowadays that people like us who grew up in this movie have grown up and are you know kind of speaking critically about mo- and about movies and about film and and talk highly of this movie. Like it's not just a dumb kids cartoon; it's a great movie. It's a great film for everyone and everyone talks so highly of it and you know you you going back and revisiting it so many years later you you get why like it's not something to just push aside it is a great film it's a great film that kids love that anybody loves and it 
you know, it tells, a, it's you know, in a in a classic Disney fashion, you know, has a good moral story to it. It's, it's very funny. It's it's bombastic. It's crazy. It's animated, and you know, it's it's got all those things, but also has a lot of heart to it. And ultimately, it's it's just a solid story. And and you know, yeah, it's taking from, you know, a long time legendary story. But this is Disney's version of it, and it's very different. And the things that they come up with from, you know, Iago to the genie to, you know, just Aladdin and Jasmine and all these characters and, and how they put them into play is just brilliant. And it's timeless. Like these are this is this movie is just so iconic. Like every bit of it is so iconic. And it's just an animated movie. It's like an hour and a half long and it's one of the all-time classics, like, if it's not on your, like, top, you know, 100 must-see movies before you die list, like, your list is wrong. Like, it's that big. I feel like we need to have that list somewhere now. Maybe this is the time. <laughs> like, I, I feel like instead of a top five episode, we just need to talk about some of the movies we would recommend people watch before they die. Yeah. Like like a like a movie bucket list. I think yeah, I think I, I could I think I could totally do that. Yeah, I think of course that mo- that list grows every year, and you know I I think like you know people can say what they want about the classics, but like I think that is a constantly evolving list, even for anybody, because like you you can't like all the movies that we've ever seen. Like it's hard to like retain them all. And think about them at the, in the same moment, and then like put them on the list, and then if you put them all together, like oh, I'm missing this one, I'm missing this one, and it's it's hard, it's hard enough doing you know top five lists. Yeah, but now I'm thinking about like all the different genres that I've watched, and which ones I would want to include, and which ones from each genre I would want to include. I'm thinking about do I want to recommend extended editions and take up more of people's lives, or do I want to recommend you know, like a like a sixty seventy minute movie like Zombies, and just say you've got to watch this before you die, just so that something on my list is trolling people. <laughs> it's it's crazy, and it's funny. It's like there is no way to see all the movies you you want to see in your lifetime. <laughs> you have to yeah, you have no, to like quit true. your job. You have to like quit your job and just stay home and watch movies constantly to see all of them. And even then, you're probably not going to see all of them. So, are you offering me a job? Is that what you're saying? Um, uh, no. I mean, we can talk about it after the show if you want. Um, but uh, it's gonna it's gonna have to be some kind of special thing. If you're gonna stay home and watch movies, you're gonna you're gonna have to pull your weight. I don't know. We'll figure it out later. Oh man, see that that right there would be a dream of mine someday. Um, the ability to take one year off from everything that I'm doing. Take a year off from school, from work, from obligations, commitments, whatever. Just take one year and commit it to podcasting. Commit it to watching TV and movies and talking about them on a program that I'm doing regularly. You know, there, there's there's people like Ninja who are making, like, millions of dollars a year. Oh, yeah. Doing stuff like that. And honestly, Ninja's not even that entertaining. <laughs> I feel like I'm way more exuberant and way more fun than Ninja is. And he's making, you know, 20, 30, 40, 50 times what I'm making. 
and I wouldn't even need that much. I would need maybe like 30 grand to take a year off, live off of that 30, and just do podcasting for a year. Yeah, when you see people like Ninja, like, he's literally playing video games all the time and and falling ass backwards into money. Like, pretty much. I, I think I think I think we're in the wrong business. <laughs> I think we chose the wrong career path. We need we need to we need to go into the into the gaming streaming let's play division and do a whole bunch of stuff on YouTube. Is that what you're saying? Yeah, but I have to I'd have to give up something first. <laughs> right? It's like it's like I have like I probably have a half dozen like podcast ideas that I'd love to do. Oh, I don't dude, have same. time for them. I don't have dude, time for them. I can't dude, do them. Same. Like, if I actually took the year off, my goal would be to try and set the Guinness Book of World Records for most podcast episodes recorded in a calendar year. Hey, that that's that'd be interesting. I bet I could get sponsors for that. If they if they yeah. knew that there was something that would go into the record books, like the official record books, and I would do it very under the radar so that nobody else would try and match me or beat me. I would just be very <laughs> low-key about it, and then all of a sudden, boom, here's the record. All right. But no, dude, I would do like one or two episodes a day, like easily a day, and would just pump them out one after one after one after one. And they wouldn't have to be long. They wouldn't have to be like IPC long. They'd be like an hour long. You know what I mean? Wouldn't yeah. require a whole lot of editing, wouldn't require a whole lot of work, but it would it would be consistent programming for an entire year. Talking about movies, talking about sitcoms, doing top five listicles, doing uh, you know, like throwback reviews on a throwback Thursday. It would be gaming reviews, because I'd actually have time to play video games at that point. It would be so many things that I could do if I just didn't have to do anything else. I'm telling you, yeah, it's, there's there's so much there's so much to do and can't do any of it. So what you're saying is, much like Aladdin and Jasmine, we feel trapped. Yes, exactly, exactly. Ay. Like they're so Ay. relatable. I love that segue. Oh man, that was that was good because that was one of my favorite scenes. Actually, was. Um, Aladdin and Jasmine down in the market and he's like trying to save her from getting her hand cut off for being a thief. Like that's pretty real. Uh, back, back in that day, that was actually a pretty legit thing. If you were caught thieving, the hand that was caught thieving would get cut off. And I think even today, certain areas you might go in. Yep. It's very true. And so, um, that crime rate, I bet the crime rate's low. Yeah, Probably. Probably. You were expected to pay for it. But being so new to the marketplace, she had no idea how it worked. Like, she was making eye contact with everybody on the marketplace. When you go to a marketplace, you don't make eye contact, honey. You don't look people in the eye because then they think you're going to want to buy something. You can look at the merchandise, you can smile, but you don't make eye contact for longer than, like, a second Especially when you're going to steal something. Oh, my gosh. Like, she was looking at the fishmonger. She was looking at the necklace dude. She was looking at the guy with the apples. Like, every stall that she walked past, she was looking at the people. Noob. You don't make eye contact. <laughs> I mean, contact. she's never she she's never been out of the house, so I know, give her a break. I know that. That's why I called her a noob. I mean, <laughs> she just she had no practice. She had no knowledge of what was to come, and it was it was interesting to observe her innocence, and it was also even more interesting to see 
Aladdin's character uh, selflessly step in to help her. You know, I guess for a long time, I saw him as like the scoundrel of Agrabah. I saw him as, you know, the, the troublemaker, the trouble causer. And yes, he causes trouble. But if you really, really look at his character, if you really look at, you know, his morality, he steps in to help the princess, even though he doesn't know she's a princess. He steps in to help the hungry kids who are picking at the trash and he gives them his bread instead of letting them pick at fish bones. He, he does all these different things to try and step in and help other people that I really don't see him as like a thief. I see him as an unfortunate soul who has to steal to stay alive. But as good as he is at it, I don't know if he particularly enjoys it because he actually did pretty well as a prince as well as a thief. He's a lot closer to Robin Hood than Han Solo. Yeah, in regards can... to in regards to pretty much stealing, not from the rich, but just stealing, and then you know he he's not he's not a he's not a thief he's not a thief in the way that he's doing it, um, you know in 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 a malicious way he's just doing it to kind of stay alive, right? Um, and and there, there's a line there's a there's a line in the new movie where he says um you you when because he because there's a whole sequence where he actually like breaks into the palace, like it's the whole thing, and he says, "Well, you know, if you don't have anything, then you you, you have to pretend you own everything." And, and I guess that's maybe maybe pushing it a little more a little t- more towards the kind of malicious side of it. But in this version, he's definitely like this kind of lovable rogue who is, you know, he's just he, he's stealing to get something to eat and then he's ultimately just giving it away again so like it's it's makes it even more endearing that he is giving it away and he's he's not doing it in a selfish way per se oh and did i forget i guess i did forget this is another one of his selfless acts he had a wish left and he used it on the genie instead of himself exactly and apparently after how many millions of years he's been in there no one's ever done that for Nobody. Him. He's the first person in history to do this. This diamond in the rough, as Jafar called him when he was looking in the sands of time. He really was a diamond in the rough. He was in a rough place, in a rough part of town, and yet he shined through every time, taking care of kids, taking care of the lost, taking care of the oppressed, like the genie. Like, those are all things that you would expect from royalty. And so when he became a prince and he showered the townspeople with food and with gold, like, his persona is that of a generous prince. And so when he actually got to do that, royalty actually suited him pretty good because he related to the common folk and did what he could to take care of them. Honestly, I know this is totally out there, but I I could see him... On the Iron Throne. Yeah, and and it also... Game of Thrones it, reference, because I've been watching it with my dad. Sorry. <laughs> I totally get it. I totally get it. And, like, and it totally, like... It makes sense in the more fairy tale scenario that, you know, he's the one that ends up king or, or, or sultan. Right. That he's kind of the most worthy person. He gets into the Cave of Wonders because he's worthy. The the first guy that went in there at the beginning of the movie gets rejected, like immediately. <laughs> rejected is a nice way to put it. 
poor guy. Pretty sure he got <laughs> chomped and then drowned in sand. So, yeah, that wasn't very nice. Yeah. But, you know, Aladdin gets in there because, you know, in this kind of weird way, he's he's worthy. And he's mm-hmm. he's he's of and I know you haven't seen the movie yet, but it, Shazam is a similar thing. He's pure of heart. You know, Shazam the movie is about like finding a kid or person that is worthy of taking on the mantle of Shazam. Um, in this case, it's like, this is his whole journey of Aladdin being this guy who is looked down upon in society, but ultimately is the most pure of heart among everyone. Yeah. Yep. And even then, it, it like, with his struggles about telling Jasmine the truth of who he is, he still struggles with everyday human minutiae, you know? Right. Like, he still has this problem of, even though I've gone from pauper to prince, which, by the way, I'm going to get to that in a second here. Even though he goes from pauper to prince, he still struggles with things like truthfulness and worrying what people are going to think of him. Because if he comes clean about it, there's no telling if Jasmine's going to, like, like him more or less because he's actually a commoner. You know, I feel like she really did grow attached to him when they first met as, as a commoner. And the fact that she didn't, like, slap him and storm off during the fireworks show when she figured out who he really was, I think she appreciated that he was a regular guy. And by the by the end of the movie, after they've gone through all these adventures, she she said some very powerful words that actually made me well up a little bit. This was probably one of the most empowering scenes in the whole movie for me, was when she told Aladdin, I choose you mm-hmm. when she said I... I choose you I just about teared up because considering the culture considering what she's been through the ability to choose whom she loves and telling this boy who has been through so much turmoil in the last you know 72 hours or however long they've been going at this to look him in the eye and tell him I choose you that is just a beautiful thing to me. I getting on Jasmine really quick. I love Jasmine in this one. I, I love oh, Jasmine in the new for one, sure. but she's such a great character. And I know there's certain things in the movie that don't don't date very well. You know, don't hold up as well with her character. And I'm happy to say the new movie improves on that. But in in regards to this Jasmine, I love her spunkiness. I love that she just does not take crap off of anybody. Yep. She is in the same vein of all the great female characters that we've seen before, Princess Leia, whatever. Like she is well, I mean, totally even, in control. Even the ones of uh, like the other Disney princesses of her time. I mean, even yeah, even Belle or Ariel or somebody like that. They're they're all interested in pursuing their own dreams and their own livelihoods and being strong independent women and even though her culture is telling her otherwise she's still bucking up to everybody saying i'm not some prize to be won i'm a human being damn it i that that right there that was a great like great line and great scene and just calling out like because the movie presents and this is like oh yeah they're doing this and thing and like and she's like no this ain't how it's supposed to be like y'all are making all my decisions for me like and and bickering over this, like it ain't supposed to be like that. And the whole thing and her being mad at Aladdin for a good chunk of it, 
um, I think was great. I think it's like the, the fact that he had to win her over again and, you know, go through that process because, you know, he was in on this whole thing of like, well, you know, she, she should just be picking the person that she wants as opposed to she has to marry a prince or whatever. And the whole movie is kind of telling you the fact that, yeah, be who, be who you want to be, be with who you want to be and and screw any law or, or, or tradition that says otherwise. Yeah, it, it's very much breaking with tradition. And that was one of the things that I really respected about it, was it, it wasn't necessarily trying to, to slap in the face of the, the matchmaking culture that definitely exists. I mean, the arranged marriage concept is still very real and very relevant. Yep. Um, like that part is, is still very much a part of the, what is this? The Eastern culture? Cause we're the Western culture, aren't we? Yeah. We're the West there. This is kind of like, I guess you could say middle Eastern. I suppose. I mean, I'm sure, I'm sure there's a lot of, I, I'm not going to, I'm not an expert on this, so don't, don't quote me on this, but like, I, there's a lot of different cultures, specifically some middle Eastern cultures that do still deal in like fixed marriages like that and you yeah. know you see that stuff happen i mean even in the united states because you have a lot of those people who are here now um i'm not criticizing them but i think that is kind of weird <laughs> and, and probably not a good idea and this movie supports that idea that right you know that's not the way it should be like you know this whole thing about like jasmine has no say in the matter she's just like right people trying to right. court her and and her dad you know i love her dad her dad is is great he's trying to be, he's trying to do what's right but ultimately he's participating in this oh you gotta choose someone in like a certain amount of days it's like no just you know don't do that like that's you know let her make her own choice and i love that she's totally just trolling them and just giving each of them a hard time, or better yet, Raja is giving a lot of them uh, problems because he he, uh, he ate some one of them one of their pants. He ate the trousers. Yep, that was that was like one of my favorite moments. Honestly, it was like Raja was just playing, weren't you, Raja? <laughs> and I was like, man, that's some fun playtime. But I'm but you. but I'm but I'm with you, man. I'm I'm so with you because. You know, it's like her her father wants her to be happy, which is why he's not arranging the marriage. You know, he's not telling her this is how it's supposed to be. He's welcoming suitors in, letting them meet her, letting her meet him, and she just keeps turning them down. And that's where he gets concerned. He's like, is no one good enough for you? You're You're not going to have a husband if you keep saying no to all of them. And so, you know, it, it's getting to the point where until Jafar kind of mind wipes him and tells him that you need to tell her this, for the most part, he's trying to be supportive in the pursuit of his daughter's happiness to the best of his abilities, you know? And, and I really support that, that, that he's trying to be supportive while also keeping with tradition. I get that. He, he's, he wants to help his daughter, but he wants to hold true to the traditions of his family as well. I get that. But I also found it kind of ironic that it took him until the end of the movie to figure out, hey, wait a minute. I'm the damn sultan. I can change the law. <laughs> like, hello, if you had done this three days before her birthday, she could have gone out into the street and found Aladdin and they could have lived happily ever after in like 20 minutes. <laughs> it's true. 
It's true, and and you, you, I I love I I love I love that the end of it is just like, oh, well, let's just change the law. Something we could have done the entire time. You know, you know what other movie has a, a piece of royalty that changes the law of marriage for the princess to marry whomever she wants. Um, not off the we, top of my head. We we discussed it on last week's episode. Oh, I got you. <laughs> I'm not going to mention that movie again by name. If you want to find out what that movie is, it's got Carrie Russell and Kathy and Jimmy in it. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, no. It's the stupidest thing. It's the stupidest movie. And, and Joey Mays called us out on it. And he was like, you would never expect this movie to be discussed on an episode of the IPC podcast. And yet it was. And I'm like, better question. Why does this movie even exist? <laughs> oh, but I'm so oh, glad that Aladdin exists. I'm I'm so so glad that it exists because not only is it a very big proponent of girl power, it's also got some very similar storylines to the idea of the prince and the pauper. I don't yeah. know if, if you remember that story. The only reason I remember that story, Ben, is because I watched the Wishbone episode of it. Oh, they did Aladdin? No. Well, yes, they did do – well, they did Alibaba and the Forty Thieves. Oh, okay. So kind of adjacent to this. Yeah. It, it's, kind of, it's kind of adjacent to it, yeah. The whole open sesame, closed sesame, that kind of thing. And then uh, they did an episode of The Prince and the Pauper. And so the only reason wow. I know about the Prince and the Pauper storyline is because of Wishbone. But it's so funny right, right. that I, I noticed the similarities in Aladdin to the Prince and the Pauper. And the only reason I know the Prince and the Pauper is from Wishbone. <laughs> it's like, yeah, a lot of a lot of my literary classics came from Wishbone, actually. Um, but yeah, I love I love the whole I love the whole dynamic between, you know, and, and you know, I'm not saying anything that nobody that has seen this movie didn't pick up on. But like, you know, the whole dynamic of. Jasmine and Aladdin both feel trapped. They both feel like they're missing out on something and are in bad situations, even though both of them look at the other one and go, oh, you've got it made. Exactly. Like, like Jasmine is up in this palace, and Aladdin's like, oh, she's got it made. Like, she's rich. You don't think anybody in that situation would do so. But then Jasmine comes down, and she's been in the palace her whole life. She's rich, yeah, but she's she doesn't have it all. She's and very sheltered. You know, it's lonely at the top, pretty pretty much literally in this case, and she just wants to get out, and she sees Aladdin, and he's like, yeah, I live here by myself, I'm all alone, and I get to do whatever I want, and she's like, oh, this is this is great, this is the best, like, you, you, you have it amazing, like, yeah, you're poor, but, like, who, you know, who, who cares, like, you have freedom, and their whole dynamic of, like, finding out and... You know, like, and especially from Aladdin's point of view, him trying to get that lifestyle when he's when he's literally given all the power in the in the world to, you know, make this happen. Like, it's 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 funny how you know he takes this to the extreme to 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 make himself a prince. Yeah, but I think it's also an interesting commentary on the idea of comparing yourself to others. Right. And that's something that is still very relevant today. 
Like, we, we talk about how this movie can be a little dated in some aspects, for sure. But in other aspects, this idea of comparing your life to someone else's life, how often do we do that? You know, we, we see people on Twitter, we see people on Instagram who, you know, have thousands of likes and retweets, and they've got tons of followers, tons of engagement, tons of money, you know, all this this popularity and status and sponsors that are helping provide income and whatever. And then here we are, not in that place, working and doing the podcasting and stuff on the side. And we're sitting there looking at them going, wow, you've got it made. Whereas so somebody, somebody else may be looking at us going, wow, you've got a full-time job and a podcast? Dude, you've got it made. So, social media is the worst at that. It really is. Really, it it really it makes because here's the deal with social media, and I, Uh I I do this. I'm I'm a victim of this. Not in a not in a way that I am like trying to put on a facade of who I am. It's just a natural thing of you try to put your best foot forward, especially on social media. We control what people see, and. What for me it's just like I only want to talk about the positive things. I just want to keep it positive. I don't air my dirty laundry or whatever, or talk about how horrible of a day I had. I'm just gonna make jokes and, and talk about whatever I want to talk about, and yep. not think about what's going on in my life that may be kind of crappy. But with social media, everybody does it. Everybody is trying to one up each other. Hey, look at how amazing my life is. Look at how amazing my life is, and. No one ever really stops to say, "Hey, uh, yeah, today kind of sucked." <laughs> you know, that, you know, I'm dealing with some stuff, and I've even talked about this on social media myself. Like, yeah, we've all got stuff we're dealing with. We've all got insecurities. We've all got things that are dragging us down, regardless if we say so on social media. So, but it's all about putting your best foot forward and putting on the facade of. Your social media self is never your true self, and you know, and it all goes back to, and, and that just lends itself to the whole idea of, oh, look at that person, look at how well they're doing. I wish I could have that. I wish I could be there. And and here, and here, Aladdin is living in this city, literally dwarfed by this giant palace, sitting there going, man, how awesome would it be to live in that place? How awesome! Look, yep. people got it made up there, like yep. it's the best. And Jasmine is looking down, going, I wish I was down there, because that's great. Freedom. It's very true. It's very true. And it, it just it just further confirms the idea that comparing yourself to someone else's life isn't going to bring you joy. Mm-hmm. It, it's not going to bring you freedom. It's not going to bring you uh, a sense of completion. So why do it? And I know that that's not really the big storyline of this movie. I think the biggest one is be true to yourself. I think I think that's kind of the big moral is be true to yourself and let your let let yourself and who you are shine through at all times and things will work out for you. I think that's kind of the central theme of this movie, but at the same time it also preaches that you shouldn't be comparing yourself to someone else's life because you never know how good or bad they might have it. Yeah, it's all about point of view, you know, the point of view of Aladdin and Jasmine, you know, just in basic, but also towards each other. Um, you quoting Ben you know, Kenobi on me? 
I, I I like to. I mean, we do share a first name, so you know, I, I I sometimes occasionally do that. You're going to find that many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. It's it's true. It's true. Oh man, I love that meme that's going around that says, "My favorite part of Star Wars was when the ghost got tired and sat on a log." <laughs> Why didn't he pass through the log? <laughs> exactly. Why didn't he do that? Why didn't exactly. he fall? Like that would have been funny to see Alec Guinness sit down and go, "Oops!" <laughs> <laughs> Forgot. Ghost can't sit down. <laughs> and then and then Korg comes out of nowhere. Piss off, ghost! <laughs> Piss off, ghost! Speaking of ghostly figures, let's talk about the genie. Yes, that's a very good transition. I like that. Robin Williams, man. Robin frickin' Williams. The man, it's funny how in the movie says, you know, you know, often imitated, never replicated, the genie talking about himself. And man, does that not apply to Robin Williams. Very like, true. Like, you, you cannot. And I, I was talking earlier, you know, about the new one. I'm trying not to harp on it. I've seen both of these movies, and it's really hard to keep them separately in my See, mind. that's why I watched this one first and then wanted to, like, wait. I'm not saying that my way was better, but it definitely helps me focus on this movie a little bit better. You're, see, you're a lot more focused. See, I envy you. But I see, I designed it that way because I wanted to go into the new one fresh and not have the old one in the back of my mind. But now it's screwing That's me fair. up here. So, That's so fair. I'll I'll try to I'll try to keep it down. My point is, and I completely forgot my point now. No, I Robin got it back Williams! now. Robin Williams. Robin Williams. So, you know, going back to like what uh, Will Smith did and all this kind of stuff, and talking about like he he could he didn't want to replicate that because he didn't. And he doesn't. He does his own thing. With Robin Williams, you have someone who, like, they, this movie wouldn't exist without him. They designed this whole movie. They wrote the script and did the whole movie with the hope that they could get him signed on for this role. And I remember, like, watching interviews with the the creators, and they're like, we're screwed if he says no, because we've designed Aladdin around him. And luckily he said yes. Um, And there's this whole thing about... They were not supposed to use his likeness and his like name to sell the movie because he, he told them not to, and then they did it anyway. And then they pissed off Robin Williams. It's a whole deal. Go YouTube or whatever and and search that up. I didn't know that whole story. It's crazy. And yet he came back for the sequels. They finally apologized to him, and he finally relinquished and came back and did one of the sequels. It wasn't Return of Jafar. Return of Jafar. It's someone else. It's Homer Simpson, the guy that voiced Homer Simpson, does the genie. No in Return of Jafar. way. Okay, I'm not watching Return of Jafar now. I'm only going to watch King of Thieves. <laughs> King but, of Thieves is Robin Williams back. I'm pretty sure. Pretty sure. Wow. I'm never watching Return of Jafar. I was actually intrigued when I remember that there was a Return of Jafar because when I saw him disappear, I was like, okay, so if he returns, he's going to be kind of like this. That should be kind of interesting. But then now that you're telling me that, I have zero interest in it whatsoever. Like, Robin Williams makes this movie, dude. Without he, he with, Without Robin Williams, you don't have a successful Aladdin movie. You just don't. And it's funny how the movie itself takes on a completely different tone once he shows up. 
Oh yeah. You know when when you're going through it and it starts really dark and they're you know like after that they put the two things together for like the beetle that flies through the air like the golden beetle mm-hmm. and like that whole scene is like really ominous like it's really kind of dark and mysterious and you know the guy gets killed that's pretty thing and like the first thing the guy says is like oh I had to slit a few throats to get this and I'm like this is a Disney kids movie he's just talking about slitting somebody's throat whoa okay this is interesting um but you know you get like you, there's a lot of really thing. It's it's fun and lighthearted, but it's not nearly as funny as it does when you get the genie on screen. And just the whole dynamic and the fact that Robin Williams was just there is no one on the face of the earth and never was and there will be like that guy. So unique and so just his brand of humor and how he could and and the genie is really just Robin Williams. I I am not I'm not like that's not a knock on his performance. I'm saying Robin it's a hundred percent Robin Williams. It's Robin Williams at peak Robin Williams doing just impression after impression after impression and just throwing jokes and all this kind of stuff. Stuff that in the context of the movie doesn't make a lot of sense. Why is this Dude. you know why is this genie from thousands of years in the past Talking about Groucho Marx and doing an impression of him, that, or that's exactly where I was going. <laughs> there you go. For Even it. in 1992, people probably aren't getting that Groucho Marx reference. They sure as heck aren't getting it in 2019. <laughs> or what? There's uh, not what's the what's the guy um, the guy that used to be, I can't remember his name. See, it's such an old reference. I can't even. It's uh, a Dick something. I can't remember the old uh, TV host from way back. The guy that introduced the Beatles. I can't think of his name. Oh, I I don't. Mm, that may be. Yeah, it's that, it's, it's a. That may be a, a little too one. far back for me too. I remember. <laughs> I remember Groucho Marx just because I actually watched all of the Marx Brothers movies growing up. Like, oh yeah. Their their old school nineteen thirties nineteen forties movies were a huge hit in my family. If you ever want to hear my brother laugh his guts out, you got to watch the movie Duck Soup. Oh, I boy. I I cannot sing enough praises about that that political farce called Duck Soup. It's amazing. But that's the only reason I understood that Groucho Marx reference. And then at one point he looked like Jack Nicholson, and then at another point he uh he he reminded me of, of somebody else. I can't remember who off the top of my head, but it's like all of Robin Williams's potential impressions were utilized and then put into animated format. And they definitely took advantage of their, of their animation prowess anytime Robin Williams was talking. And yeah, honestly, it's a testament to 1992 animation and it's a testament to how versatile a performer Robin Williams is. Everybody knows him as a live-action actor. They know him for Goodwill Hunting. They know him for Dead Poet Society, Mrs. Doubtfire. Uh, what was it? Uh, Hook. You know, you 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 name it. He's known for all kinds of live-action stuff. But the stuff that he did here was absolutely phenomenal. And the person that I was desperately searching for their name is Ed Sullivan. Oh, Ed is, Sullivan. Yeah. Yeah, the guy that uh yeah, is the the 
the Late Show Theater is named after it's Ed Sullivan Theater. I don't know why I couldn't remember. I grew up on watching David Letterman, and that's the Ed Sullivan Theater. That's Ed Sullivan, um, and he does that a couple times. Here, I have actually in front of me the supposedly the definitive list of all the impressions that Robin Williams does in this movie. Oh, Can we please, run these really please quick? Please lay it on me. I am so curious to hear how many he did. Okay, so the count that I have is sixteen, and oh, that I includes thought it was, I thought it was and more that, in, than that yeah, well, that includes Robin Williams himself, because apparently the ending part where he's got the goofy hat on and the and like the 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 Hawaiian shirt yeah is apparently a reference to Robin Williams, like he wears a similar thing and he's like basically playing himself, which is like. I guess it's like super meta because yeah, he is Robin Williams. Like Robin Williams would do all this kind of stuff. Whatever. Robin Robin Williams voicing a genie, doing an impression of Robin Williams. Exactly. So um, another one is Senor Wences, Senor Wences, who is the the impression like the the dummy impressionist guy. I don't know who that is. The ventriloquist, um, maybe. Ventriloquist. That's the word I was looking for. Ha. <laughs> Um, and then we got Arnold Schwarzenegger. We've got, Whoa. of course, Ed. We've got Ed Sullivan. We've got Pinocchio. I remember that they had a little yep. Pinocchio sequence there when he thought he was lying. Yeah, it's really it gets really meta when he like starts referencing Disney. Like he just goes straight out. Well, and then the animators actually animated a Pinocchio from the old original Pinocchio movie for that sequence. Yeah, his head turned into Pinocchio. <laughs> It's like the actual Pinocchio from the original movie. And I was like, whoa. Oh, boy. Um, next up, we got Jack Nicholson. Yep. We got Groucho Marx, of course. Yep. Um, Peter Lorre. Um, Mary Hart. Uh, Arsenio Hall. Uh, Robert De Niro, of course. Yep. Uh, Rodney Dangerfield, of course. Dangerfield. I'm, lo- I'm losing to a rug. <laughs> I'd almost um, forgotten that one. Carol Channing, may she, she we just lost her a little oh. while ago. Um, we got Cab Holloway. We got William F. Buckley Jr. <laughs> like I honestly don't know who that is. <laughs> William, F., the name's familiar. I think he was the like a gangster actor, maybe. And William F. Buckley Jr. was a major influential figure in the conservative movement in America, dating back to the 1960s. Okay. All right, political figure. Okay, Robin was, Williams was like dipping, dipping really far into that. I was, I was way, I was way off there. And the last one on the list, and I, I'm not sure if this is, I'm not sure if this is the, the definitive list. I think I, I agree with you. I think there's more. I think the site, Laser Time Podcast, like they're a, 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 a good source for this. Uh, the last one they list is Walter Brennan. Okay. I guess it's Walter Brennan. I guess I guess that's that's your that's your Walter Brennan. There's the one point in the the the, the Prince Ali song where I think he does that. Oh yeah, he does several different impressions and like it, like takes on way way too many different forms all in that one sequence. Like it took me a second to realize that 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 person who was announcing the coming of Prince Ali was the genie. Because I heard his voice, and I'm like, wait a minute, that's Robin Williams. So is he doing three characters now? And I was like, oh, no, wait a second. That's the genie. Because he also does the street vendor at the beginning of the movie. Yeah, he does. He does that whole bit. And you know what? I heard on a a podcast, something I was listening to recently, that that whole scene came about 
from the animators. It was completely unscripted. All they did was got Robin Williams behind a table with a sheet over it, and you took the sheet off, and there was like all this different stuff, like metal things underneath the sheet. And they said, okay, Robin Williams, just go for it, and just just introduce all this stuff. And he did it, like, and that all is just ad-libbed by Robin Williams. I believe it, man. A hundred percent believe it. But that was also one of the things that kind of confused me a little bit because I remembered absolutely zero of that from my last viewing. I didn't remember any of that. And so it was almost like a completely new viewing experience for me because there were certain sequences of this film, including that one, that I had no recollection of. I didn't remember it at all. And so it was it was kind of fun getting to go back and and rewatch some of those scenes because some of it I just didn't recognize at all. Yeah. And it it was it was so much fun getting to experience that joy all over again, because that's that's basically all that Robin Williams did his whole life, man, was he brought viewers joy. That guy brought so much joy into the world like, you know, he you could not like you just watch any of his stuff, like go back and watch videos, and every once in a while I'll see him pop up and think, the guy was just so funny. And like everything he does in this movie is hilarious. And getting back to the references, like I think, honestly, I think you'd, you'd have to, I'm not sure if any one person could catch all the references. Because I think I, if I have I had a feeling that like there's certain references that are so just out there that certain people may not even catch up on them. Like, even older people, like, like, oh, crap, like, that's something that just Robin Williams just came up with, just himself. You know, and it's it's insane that what he does here, and it's not just the impressions, like, it's so many other things, and you know, when he opens up and, you know, he's, ah, hi, Al, and he just turns to this talk show host, and he's got the, the applause symbol up ahead of him, like, it's, the he, and props to the animators too like taking that and apparently there's like hundreds of hours of like outtakes of Robin Williams probably not safe for work stuff too <laughs> included in there what? because because Robin Williams you know he, he you know as any comedian would he he went off the rails a bit um sometimes i need this in my life dude i'm telling you i want a movie that's just the genie but as robin williams just going off the rails, like just, all that stuff. Animated. I don't even need it to be animated. I just need like the video footage of him in the booth and I can just use my imagination. I, geez, if they had all of those outtakes like strung together, it would be better than any compilation video of his, of his comedy work before. I, I do not doubt that. Well, I mean, like, the, how they, I think they showed him, I think to get him on the project in the first place, they took some of his old like comedy routines and animated those and showed it to him. And one of the animators is like, one of the highlights of my life was watching Robin Williams crack up to my animation. Like, like that's how they got him in to do the genie in the first place. Wow. Wow. That is just, that is so crazy. The, the stuff that, the stuff that goes on behind the scenes is always, some of the some of the more endearing aspects of a movie because like i said without robin williams this movie is not good it it really it, he he makes it he makes it like this movie would have been okay it would have been all right it would have been not even i don't, it, 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 i i think just the fact that this movie 
would not be the same. Like, if you take him out of the equation, you have to change the whole movie. And in that case, like, you know, I don't know, who would you play the genie? Like, the genie becomes a way less interesting character if you pick literally anyone but Robin Williams to play him. Billy Crystal, maybe? Billy Crystal would have done a good job. I, I think, think. I, I think. I think Billy Crystal would have been okay at it. And I think... Um... There was somebody else that I had on the top of my head. But the only reason I was thinking Billy Crystal was from that line in Monsters, Inc., where he's like, you know, only somebody with perfect comedic timing could produce this much energy in one shot. Billy Crystal is, in his own right, very funny. and he very is. He's, he is. He's, very, he's, he's headed in the direction of Robin Williams in, this, in the sense of, like, you know, very, and you get that in Monsters Inc. Like he's very, like, just bombastic and all over the place, and can do that kind of stuff. He would have been good choice, and I'm sure there would have been a lot of people that would have been a good choice. But like, they wouldn't have necessarily owned the role like Robin Williams did. Very he true. Absolutely set the bar to where like, like they do the remake, and they're not even trying to redo that. They're just like, okay. Robbie Williams is over there. He's on his own pedestal. He will always be there. We're going to do our own thing over here because we cannot top that. There's no way. Oh, one, no one can any anywhere ever can ever top that. Um, That's why and, I found it so interesting that they decided to make a live action version of Aladdin in the first place. Like, yeah. the, like the, the way they did with James Earl Jones coming back as Mufasa for the Lion King. Like the, I feel like the only way a Aladdin remake would have been that successful would be if Robin Williams was back as the genie, but with his passing, it just seemed like a near impossible task. You know, it's funny something I've heard talked about. George in the chat just reminded me. Apparently, Disney has sixteen hours of footage of Robin Williams. Just of him, just his just ad lib stuff that he did for the genie for this original movie. What I wonder is, I know, I know they had to at least consider it at some point. You gotta wonder how it would have been like if they would have been like, okay, we're not gonna cast anybody. We're just gonna take all this leftover footage and put it in the new movie. Oh. And and they could have just made a completely CG genie that maybe looked like Robert Williams or whatever. And just had Robin Williams post mortem used you know, used, voice it, him. used used a resemblance of his of his likeness and just taken that sixteen hours of footage and taken stuff that maybe we hadn't heard yet and applied it to this new movie. Now that that opens up a whole nother can of worms in regards to like is that respectful to Robin Williams? Should they even do that in the first place? Yeah. You know, there, there is the whole, like, moral conundrum of, like, when you've got, like, you know, in Star Wars, they've got, like, they've brought back, like, Carrie Fisher and uh, you know, Peter, Peter Cushing and, like, the whole morality of, like, well, should they even do this in the first place? Like, when an actor is, is dead, they kind of need to leave him alone. And, you know, you you can't, like, put someone in a movie without their without their consideration. And this is a Disney that also pissed off Robin Williams right after this happened because he told them not to use his name or to sell toys using his name and his character. And they did it, and he was not happy for many years um, until they, you know, came kind of groveling back to him and apologized. But um, 
I, I can't help but think that they at least considered that option, that they could, and that would have been, I, I think that would have been great. I think they, what they did with Will Smith was ultimately the right choice, but I would be fascinated to know what that would have been like had they gone that route. It would have been interesting for sure. I, I, I can't. I can't really say. It's it's not my place to it's do a, that. It's kind impossible of to say, especially for us. Like it really, it's it's an impossible choice for especially the filmmakers. But like, you know, I, I think that conversation probably happened at some point, and you know, and, and you, like that's the big question. Anybody that that heard about the new one was like, okay, what are they going to do about the genie? Because they can't top Robin Williams. Like, there's no living human being that has ever lived that could top Robin Williams. Like, it can't happen. So, they didn't top him. They just did their own thing, which I think worked. Um, but you have to, you have to wonder, like, and, and not, like you're saying, like, 16 hours? I want to hear that. Like, release it. I know, I know there's a lot of F-bombs in it. I don't care. Release it. Right? No. I mean, that kind of thing doesn't phase me, like, at all. It really doesn't. If anything, it makes me want to hear it even more, because he'd be like, oh, blah, 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 like, beep, beep, like, I would laugh so hard at Look that. Look at this, mother, well, I mean, you might, you would, you would have to actually bleep me out for this show if I actually said the things that he would have said, so... I like caught myself to save you the trouble, but if he, yeah, if he, I, I definitely appreciate that. If he flubbed and was like, ah, bleep, 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 like I would have busted a gut. I, I, I honestly would because it just it shows he's human, you know. Every, yeah. Everybody puts him on like this godlike pedestal, and he is a, a a terrific human being. He was a terrific human being, but he was flawed, and. To uh, to hear some of those flaws would have just made him even more endearing, I think. Yeah, yeah, and and just hearing more of him because we you know we no longer have him, and you know he was this just brilliant soul that had so much life and so much so much humor. It, it's amazing. But what we got in this in this performance and what we have in this movie that will be with us forever is outstanding terrific none of those words just are good to describe i need i need disney to open up their vault so that i can get this movie on disc okay okay this is my last tangent we're going to move into closer to final thoughts after this real quick the disney vault is dumb yep i'm just going to say that right now okay yep. so preach, and i'm going to full preach i'm going to i'm going to fully admit right now i pirated this movie. I had to oh. pirate it. Dun, dun, dun. Only because Disney forced my hand. Yep. I legitimately, I'm not lying to you guys. I know. I don't lie to you on a normal basis. You know I'm telling the truth here. I was on the verge. I went to iTunes because I was going to buy this movie. I'm like, okay, the newest version I have of this movie is like a VHS copy. I probably couldn't even put my hands on it if I went looking for it. Probably in a closet somewhere. I don't have a VCR to play it in. I'm not doing that. I want it convenient. I want to think I have a pretty big digital collection of movies. I want to finally add this movie to it because I want to watch it. I want it to be convenient. I want to be there. So I'm like, I go to iTunes. I search for it. And Return of, the Jaf- Return of Jafar shows up. King yep. of Thieves. All these other things show yep. up. And it's not there. I'm like, okay. So why is it not on iTunes? Like, am I just searching for it wrong? Whatever. 
um, go to different things, and I ultimately search on Google, and one of the suggested searches is, Aladdin, not on iTunes, why is this? And I start reading up, and oh boy, oh boy, Aladdin is in the good old Disney vault, and you cannot buy it, you cannot rent it anywhere. It is locked away, and I don't care how much money you want to throw at Disney, you can't get it. And I think that's dumb. (laughs) I think that's really dumb, especially in this time right now where there's a lot of people like us who want to watch the old movie. Now that they've seen the new movie, or maybe in preparation for the new movie, want to watch the old one, and they can't. It's just not available. And I think, and I I can only assume that it that system works for Disney, that they do the Disney Vault thing because, for some reason, it's it's a it's this thing where they announce it. Hey, this is going to the Disney Vault. It makes people want to buy it. I get that, but it ultimately it's stupid that, especially what what gets me is that you have companies including Disney, they're like, oh, you shouldn't pirate these things, whatever. Like, you're literally making me pirate it. I didn't want to do it, but you made me want to do it. I wanted to buy your movie. You wouldn't let me, so I had to go get it from... I had to go steal it, basically. Like, that's stupid. So, please, hopefully, when Disney Plus comes out, put all the movies on Disney Plus and get, do away with the Disney Vault. Please. Mic drop. I mean, it, it was it was it was iTunes... It was Google Play, it was Hulu, it was Amazon, it was Netflix, it was uh, Vudu, it was, it was just about every streaming service out there. Nothing had it. Not for rental, not for purchase. And if it's in the vault, then there's no hard copies available either. So you can't go to Target, you can't go to Walmart, you're not going to find it there. there. There was no place to get your hands on the 1992 Aladdin. Nowhere. I actually had to make an appeal on social media and ask if anybody local had a copy I could borrow. Thankfully, two people, not one, two people reached out and said that I could borrow theirs. Wow. I was so blessed and so thankful to those people who reached out to me. And I actually got to watch it on DVD today, thanks to those people's generosity. And without them... I would have had to do the same as you. I, w- I was on the verge of finding an illicit version. A, a, I call it extracurricular methods or something like that. <laughs> I was looking at alternative means because I would have contributed the two ninety nine towards a two-day rental on Amazon if it was there. Yeah, I, I it just, like... It's like, it just, it's, it's just dumb. It's just like, Disney, why, like, you're, ma- I, I know you're making bajillions of dollars every day because you, you own most of the movies nowadays and you have this several theme parks across the world. Like, you don't need my money, but for crying out loud, let me, I'm, I have it in my hand right here. Take it, but you won't because it's in the Disney vault. Come on. Okay. Our friend George just hit, hit the, hit the rock bottom. I I cannot believe this because I nowhere no way no how would I pay this much. But he said Whoa. he found he found a listing of the diamond edition of Aladdin on Blu-ray on eBay for 70 
dollars. What the? They're like this. I'm speechless. How? Seventy U.S. dollars. In seventy. Like nothing is worth that, <laughs> dude. There's a reason why I haven't bought the entire Star Wars saga on Blu-ray yet. As much as I love Star Wars, I'm not paying two hundred bucks. Yeah, I I haven't either. I've been buying them individually. I I I respect that. It's probably cheaper that way, honestly. But there are just there's some limits that I must draw. And seventy dollars for a diamond edition Blu-ray of a movie that came out in nineteen ninety two is a big line. Sorry. That's that's insane. Cannot that's, do that. that. I would I would probably go as high as about twenty five, maybe twenty seven. But I don't think I'd go over thirty. Yeah, if I was desperate, maybe. Like, no, I'm not even. I'm not even that desperate. I will find alternative means and watch it for free before I'll pay thirty dollars for it. That's the thing. When you have no other choice, it's like, well, thing. And like, maybe, maybe when it comes out out of the Disney Vault or whatever. And it's available. Maybe I'll buy it. Well, maybe I won't. Maybe I've just completely forgotten about it, and I'll have other movies I want to buy, and I don't want to spend true. money on Aladdin. That's like, true. That sucks because I legitimately like. I'm disappointed that I don't have it in my library now. I'm disappointed that I can't just have it there the next time I want to watch it, and yep. that sucks. And you know, I don't like it because for one, I don't like pirating. Generally speaking, you get viruses and stuff like that. You go on the wrong sites. Like it really is sketchy. And you gotta stream it or whatever. You gotta download it, and maybe it's not downloaded right. You get the wrong version or whatever. Like it's really bad. So I don't like doing stuff like that. Plus, I you know just from an ethical standpoint, like I like paying for the stuff I get. You know, I got my, I got the money, I got the dough. I'll I'll pay for it. You just gotta let me. You just gotta let me do it, please. Yep. Yep. Give me the opportunity to actually invest in your multi-billion-dollar corporation. Yep. Well, I think we've done enough ranting about that. I, and, I've got that off yeah. my chest finally. <laughs> yeah, enough rants. And actually, probably a good place to take a commercial break. So we're going to pause right here for a uh, program identification and a word from some of our friends. We'll be back on the flip side to talk about favorite song, favorite character, and our final thoughts slash planet scores as we continue our discussion of Aladdin right here on the IPC Podcast. This is IPC. Hey there, everybody. It's Sage from the Night Force Media Network, and I'm here to tell you about our new show, The Fandom Cantina. And why you need to tune into it. Also here to talk about it is, um, uh, oh yeah, right, it's Mondo. Wait, wait, wait. So you should think I'm like, like an afterthought? Let no, me tell no, you but... something, okay? You act like I don't know anything about Star Wars I, I never and the said Force that. Or, uh, or other movies. I'll have you know I was a MoviePass subscriber, okay? And I subscribed wait, to but... A-List. And you act like I don't know anything about television. You no. know, like all those fancy shows and video games. Let me I, tell you something, I man. Say... I have beaten 50 video games this year alone. And 50? you don't think that I like making odd-numbered list countdown lists up? 
Oh, oh you are uh, you are uh, sadly uh, mistaken, sir. So yeah, that's what our show's about. You can catch us 10 p.m. Eastern, Wednesday nights, Mixler's Night Force Media. See you then. jump ahead of the bread line one swing ahead of the sword i steal only what i can't afford that's everything one jump ahead of the lawman that's all and that's no joke these guys don't appreciate i'm broke just a little snack guys Take a hint, gotta face the facts. You're my only friend, Abu. Who always said a man is hit the bottom? He's become a one man rising crime. I blame parents, except he hasn't gone on. Gotta eat to live, gotta still to eat. Tell you all about it when I got the time. One jump ahead of the slow pokes, one skip ahead of my doom. Next time, gonna use a nom de plume. One jump ahead of the hitman, one hit ahead of the flock. I think I'll take a stroll around the block. Stop the tackle! Let's not be too hasty. Still, I think he's tasty. Gotta eat to live, gotta steal to eat, otherwise we'd get along. Continuing our discussion of the 1992 animated film Aladdin here on the IPC podcast in preparation for our live action discussion, which is to be determined hopefully next week, but we'll see what happens. Schedules Mm -hmm. and whatnot can kind of get in the way sometimes. But uh, moving on to some specific questions instead of some character discussions, um, Ben, there was some really great music in this movie. So much great music. There was a lot of really great music from Prince Ali to A Whole New World to Friend Like Me. Uh, There's just a lot of really great pieces of music in here. And it makes sense that Tim Rice was part of this musical group. He worked on, oh, I don't know, a little thing called The Lion King. (laughs) And I'm pretty sure he had a hand in some of the music for Pirates of the Caribbean. I could be mistaken there, but I feel like he contributed to it a little bit. You know, he's got a pretty strong musical background, and it definitely shows in this. But are we going to pick the cliche answer, or are we picking something else out there? What was your favorite piece of music from this movie? See, I'm trying to... I'm scanning through the movie right now, like, thinking about, like, I know there's one that sticks in my head right now, and I, I uh, you know, it's it's good, but... Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the obvious answer here. Um, actually, no, I'm not gonna go with the obvious answer. I feel like the obvious answer is a whole new world, which is great. And if that's your answer, like that's great. 
But for me, Friend Like Me is so good. It's so good. It's such a. Sh- it's like shorter than I remember it, but like it's so great, and Robin Williams kills it. I-, I I take it you appreciate that one. I am in complete agreement with you tonight, my friend. Yay! There there is something about the the animation that goes on throughout all that, and the spectacle that the genie provides, the charisma of Robin Williams' characterization. The music that goes on behind it. it, not all of it sounds like music. It sounds like Robin Williams just talking in rhythm at some points, but I don't care. I don't care. It's so lively and engaging and whimsical and fun and hearing those trumpets in the background, that bow, 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 and a little bit of a trombone underneath it. Wow, wow. Like, it's just fun. It's just good fun fun and i i really enjoyed it a lot more than i remembered enjoying it last time and you know it it's just one of those ones that helps with the character development and uh helps with the advancement of the story but it's still fun and lively and engaging it, it just hit all the right notes for me i enjoyed it a lot it's yeah it's just a great you know it's it's the whole you know thing about you know uh, you know it, it really is like yeah, you really never had a friend like me. Like, you've never had a friend quite like a genie that's literally going to grant you any wish possible. With, with, under, under, within reason. There's some rules. <laughs> there rules. are. There are some rules. Like, you can't make somebody fall in love with you, and you can't wish for more wishes. Like, there are some restrictions in there that apparently Jafar had forgotten about. Or just right. didn't bother to ask. Yeah, there is some like, <laughs> there is some stretches with the logic, <laughs> with like, you should have seen that coming, especially too far. Right, and and the way that Jasmine kind of played him a little bit, pretending that she had fallen in love with him, like that was really cool. Yeah, the way the way that she kind of played along, I, I respected the hell out of that. Yeah. That was cool. Yeah. Uh, I guess that brings us to favorite character then. We didn't really talk much about Jafar's character, but it's pretty easy to not like him, so I don't think he's going to get included in the favorite character discussion. Although his character was pretty devious, and honestly, I think one of the reasons why I enjoyed this movie was that the villain actually succeeds. Yeah, he pretty much you know, gets there, what he there wants. Are a lot of times, there are a lot of times when a bad guy schemes and plots and it never comes to fruition, but Jafar's plan as dastardly as it is, actually works. And he gets the lamp, and he becomes all-powerful. He becomes a sultan. He becomes a ruler. You know, Jasmine's father gets stuffed with crackers because he's been feeding too many of them to Iago. Like, all of these weird senses of poetic justice, but also just downright being a bad guy. He's not my favorite character, but he might be one of my favorite villains. Because his plot actually worked. Yeah, yeah. It's it's he he is is in among the ranks of these villains that uh, you know they succeed. They do exactly what they wanted to do. And yeah, he gets he gets I mean, faked out in the end. He didn't he didn't he didn't necessarily have to like kill his brother the way Scar did, but Scar succeeded in ruling the Pride Lands. And Jafar succeeded in ruling Agrabah for a while. So 
you know, I would put him in this tier of villains who succeeded up there with the likes of uh, of Scar and uh, I, I don't know who else. Who am I thinking? Ursula. I think Ursula succeeds in uh, in The Little Mermaid. Um, technically, I guess Gaston succeeds because he he stabs the beast and puts him kind of on his deathbed. Mm-hmm. Um you know, there, there are just certain tiers of villainy and Jafar kind of moved himself into that upper echelon by actually succeeding at his task. Yeah. Yeah. So, but he's not in your favorite, favorite character list. No, he's not my favorite character. I, I'm probably going to be giving the, the, the cliche answer here, but like I said earlier, without the success of the genie and Robin Williams, you don't have as successful a movie. Everything that I enjoyed, aside from the slapstick comedy that comes with Iago, Iago would probably be my honorable mention. I really enjoyed Prime Gilbert Gottfried. Oh, yeah. You know, before before he got in trouble for all of his weird-ass comments that he made, he actually was a really good voice actor, and he did stuff with PBS, and then he did stuff with this film. You know, he, he was the Aflac duck for a while, for crying out loud. Like, that was prime business with all those Aflac commercials that they used to make. I'm telling you. Um, you know, Gilbert Gottfried was the voice of birds, basically, for a long, long time. And I think it started with Iago. And so I I really love the genie's overall character and his character arc becoming free at the end and all that sort of thing. But if I had to give an honorable mention, it would go to Iago. He contributes a lot to the advancement of this story, um, being able to throw his voice apparently and sound like Jasmine, dress up as a peacock and steal the lamp away from Aladdin. I love that scene. Like, I love it. Aladdin usually watches the lamp like a hawk, but he gets caught up in his affections for Jasmine, and Iago takes advantage of that and and runs away with it. And he's like, he he does that impersonation of Jafar where he's like, on a scale of one to ten, you Iago are an eleven. <laughs> like, <laughs> you know that Jafar would never actually say that. But that impersonation was hilarious. And so, yeah, uh, the genie, uh, Jafar, and then Jasmine. Those would be my top three. I I am going to I, – I, my realistic choice is, is, is the genie. Like, you know, that's, that's everybody – I think everyone's favorite character, but especially mine. Like, he just – so great, you know, and, and nothing – I can't really say any more about him because, you know, just, you know, nothing that we haven't already said – my honorable mention, which I am going to spend a little bit of time on, is uh, Abu. I love that monkey. We we haven't touched on Abu yet. He's a monkey for a while, and then he's also an elephant for a while. He's so great. I love like the way they they do his voice and the way he kind of his his whole acting per se. Um, it's just. It's just great. His mannerisms and you know, <laughs> you know, they he's so cartoony. You know, in a very, very cartoony movie, in in some in some sta- stages, um, you know, he's like wrapped around, <laughs> wrapped around Aladdin's head when they're flying, and he's doing all this stuff, and you know, he's the one that gets you know sucked in by the ruby and causes the volcano. Like, it, there's so many great little moments, and I love when he's turned into an elephant, and he he's still got the hat, <laughs> he's still he's still still playing the part, even though he's he's much different, and he doesn't know how to feel about it. Well, yeah, I mean, even his voice sounds the same. He can trumpet, but then at one point there was like an uh-oh moment, and he just said the uh-oh. 
but it was coming from the mouth of an elephant. And you're like, what? <laughs> they they were very intentional with Abu's character because Abu is kind of who we thought Aladdin was going to be. You know, someone that's a scamp, someone that's adventurous, someone that's selfish. You know, he took a bite out of the bread because he didn't want to give it to the kids, but then he ended up reluctantly giving it to them. You know, he was the one that kind of is almost like the devil on Aladdin's shoulder, telling him the things that he should be doing, but he's not. And yet, even then, he's still basically Aladdin's best friend. He's like, you know, Aladdin's Raja, if you will. Then, And it's, it's so interesting to see that these two people who have been alone for the better part of their lives have found animal companions. And I think that's another thing that should be heavily emphasized about this movie is that friends don't necessarily have to be people. The The friends that Jasmine had were her birds and her pet tiger. The friends that Aladdin had before he met Jasmine was Abu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can you can have you can have animal companions that are friends just as wonderful and just as loyal as a human friend could be. Oh yeah. And he totally is. He's 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 the best friend. He he you know he kind of reluctantly plays the hero sometimes, you know, when he when he gives up his bread. He's not happy about it. Yeah. But No, he's definitely but not. He still does it. So he's he's a good dude. And he didn't exactly like being a wingman either. He was like <laughs> Wasn't wasn't crazy about that idea, but still played along yeah. with it anyways. Abu's Abu's a good character. I'm glad we got a moment to to give him his his five minutes of glory because he he definitely did uh, contribute a lot to this film in more ways than one, and it was it was fun to see. Uh, I don't know if I would necessarily classify him as a as a character arc, but a, a very very nice addition to the overall piece of the puzzle. And dare we forget the magic carpet? Yes. Yes, that real quick. I want another fun fact here. The a lot of effort went into the magic carpet because it's there's there's some like three D like animation like CG animation in this like in thing like with the cave of cave of wonders is pretty obviously like CG as opposed to hand drawn. Um, but the physical rug itself is hand drawn, but the pattern is not it's cg because they didn't want to redraw the pattern each time for every frame so they just yeah, layered they layered a cg rug on top of the rug so you're seeing like two different like layers to the rug every time you see the rug moving around which is crazy i mean just the attention to detail that they had to put into this on every front i mean i didn't really get to touch on the animation that much even though i i had intended to the color palette that they chose for this movie is very different from anything else that we see in 90s Disney movies. Yeah. It's more along the lines of purples and reds compared to some of the the oranges and yellows that we get from The Lion King or the blues and the greens that we get from The Little Mermaid or the the yellows and the blues that kind of pair with each other in Beauty and the Beast. We don't really have any other color scheme like the ones that we get in Aladdin. I know that Jasmine's primary outfit is like that teal color, but she's got other outfits that she puts on as well over the course of this movie. And everything is just deeper, I feel like. It, it's deeper, it's different, it's more intense, it's more intentional. 
And when you're not seeing the gold in the Cave of Wonders, you're seeing those deeper colors kind of shine mm-hmm. through. Yeah. The the reds from the rubies, the colors from the carpet. If it's not gold, it's one of those other deeper colors. And I I really appreciated that choice and the fact that they were like intentional and consistent with that throughout the course of the movie. It it stuck with me. It was it was subtle, but it stuck. And that's what a color scheme is supposed to do. It's supposed to become consistent with the movie. It's supposed to become you know, a pattern that you know and you recognize. And for some reason, this one stood out to me more than some of the others usually do. Yeah, totally. Apparently my watch was recording all of that. (laughs) What? So I've got this feature where I can, like, push a button on my watch and give it a command. And uh, it thought that I was giving it a command when I wasn't. And it basically just dictated my entire monologue thinking I was giving it an instruction. Oh, okay. Came really close to saying something like, sorry, I can't operate that function. It's like, it's like, like, it's like Siri, but with a watch. Like, I, I usually manage to hit Siri pretty, at the worst Pretty times. much. Pretty much. I mean, it, it's the Android version of Siri because Siri's a bitch, but... Okay. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That's another story for another time. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, All right. Long long story short, I got friend zoned by Siri. Well, apparently so. I mean, you, you the way you talk about her when she's not around, like <laughs> I, I would have friend zoned you too. Jeez. Uh, I was like, uh, one time I was just messing around and I was like, Siri, will you marry me? And then her response was, let's just be friends, okay? <laughs> I was like, wait a second. Wait a second. Mm-mm. I no. That's why that's why I use Alexa more than I use Siri. Alexa's nice probably, to me. Probably for the best. Probably for the best, you know. You, you, you being being on the outs with Siri is uh, you know, it can can get, you know, she could just like order something off Amazon when you're not looking, you know, on your behalf and yeah, it could get messy. Did, did you know that there are some like uh some smart devices that can do that? I wouldn't be surprised. I read about something not too long ago. I want to say it's some of these new smart appliances, like your refrigerator, washing machine, that kind of thing. They have like internal sensors that can detect when there's something wrong and try and fix it, like recalibrate it itself. If it can't, then it will add the part that is malfunctioning to your shopping cart so that you can buy it in order to make the repair to the machine. Oh my gosh. That's insane. It's it's creepy. It's honest to goodness just really creepy. So, I mean, I'm okay with certain smart devices, but I don't know if I'm going to get a smart washing machine so that it can start making uh, purchases for me like that. That's just a little on the weird side. <laughs> oh boy. But speaking of washing machines, I've got a load of laundry that's calling my name. So let's get to the planet scores, shall we? Yeah, let's do it. I think my my closing thoughts I, I may have summed up when I was talking about the animation and stuff. But I'll I'll just say this movie surprised me. I was going in just expecting to watch another Disney film. Another one of those stories that ends happily ever after, blah, blah, blah. I was I was very blasé about it. I've watched a lot of really great TV and movies lately with the likes of 
Endgame and Game of Thrones and things like that. And so sometimes storyline wise, I I've been kind of engaged with some really really heavy stuff, and I really wasn't expecting a whole lot from Aladdin, and it pleasantly surprised me. Like you mentioned earlier, it's pretty timeless. Absolutely. No matter no matter where you are, you could be watching it in 1992, 2002, 2022, and it would still be relevant. It would still be fun. It would still have great music, great animation. It's just a great sense of style and 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 lots of really great uh, uh, morality to it about, you know, women aren't prizes to be won or be yourself or, you know, just just any of these different things. Don't compare yourselves to others. It's got a lot of really great storylines to it. And overall... It's it's really really fun and I would probably end up giving it an eight point five out of ten. Nice, I think that's fair. I think that's very fair. Um, for me, this is hard because you know I want to be like um, obviously for a lot of it I, I'm I'm blinded by my nostalgia. I will fully admit that. Uh, you know I grew up with this movie. I love it. You know, is is a part of me. You know, I, I have a good bit of it. I mean, I, I, a lot of it is just kind of in there, and I, I didn't realize how much I had of it memorized <laughs> until I watched it again. I'm like, it just kind of dug up all those old memories of me probably watching it over and over and over as a kid, and I've forgotten all about that. But nope, it's still there, and it's just. It is like even with a critical eye, you know, you always watch things differently when you're when you're an adult, and especially after it's been a while since you've been away from them, it still it still holds up as a movie. It still holds up in regards of you know, the animation is is great. It's fantastic. It really I, I really miss the two D hand drawn animation. I wish Disney would do more of this stuff because it really is. There's just something very charming about it and something you don't necessarily get. I, I love CG, I love what Pixar does, but like there's something really just down to earth and, and, and grounded with this that you don't get with newer animated films to me. But still, you know, the acting and you know, we talked about, you know, Robin Williams, but like the entire voice cast is great. Like I don't even know some of their names, but like um like, you know, Aladdin and, and Jasmine, like they're all really solid, really great, and they sell this movie, and there's a lot of great emotional moments, there's great, tons of great humor, and you know, it's just a fun ride, and, it, and it's a great movie for literally anyone. You, there's something wrong with you if you sit down and watch this movie and don't have a good time. It's just, it's just a fact. It just is. Like, it's so much fun. So, just overall, I think, trying to position, trying to get thing because I, I you know there's so much to think about and I really like don't have any criticisms of it but I know it's not perfect per se but I, I'm gonna give it I'm gonna give it a nine out of ten I, I feel pretty confident with that one kind of maybe we'll see <laughs> well I'm I'm trying to 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 keep it uh nostalgia free and I think it's pretty easy for me to do that because I didn't really watch it as much growing up I think this is probably like only the third or fourth time I've watched it all the way through mm, yeah 
Like I think the the sorcery and some of the some of the other storylines that are included in it, uh, the magic based stuff, obviously the genie granting wishes, that kind of thing, may have been one of those red flags that was circulating throughout my family. We didn't watch The Little Mermaid for the same reasons because of Ursula's magic, and so <laughs> um, there there are some things that I might have missed out on as a kid. But I didn't miss out on the Lion King, and I didn't miss out on Star Wars, so I think I turned out yeah, okay. Yeah, you did pretty good. I did, I did all right. Um, and the cool thing is, now I get to experience that sense of childhood wonder as an adult, which is another really fun aspect. Yeah, so I'm not going to complain about it too much. But I feel like I've been talking a little bit too much tonight. Uh, maybe it's the happy juice just making me really talkative. I kind of predicted that that would end up happening. So I'm going to shut up for just a little bit here. And turn it over to you for the quote of the night. Yeah. So we've got a little scene, the introduction scene for the genie. This scene is great, and I'm sure you guys will enjoy listening to it. So we're going to shut up so you can hear tonight's quote of the night. Why, you hairy little thief. Looks like such a beat-up, worthless piece of junk. Hey, I I think there's something written here, but it's... It's hard to make out. Ten thousand years will give you such a crick in the neck. Hang on a second. It feel good to be out of there. I'm telling you, nice to be back, ladies and gentlemen. Hi, where are you from? What's your name? Uh, uh, Aladdin. Aladdin. Hello, Aladdin. Nice to have you on the show. Can we call you Al, or maybe just Din? Or how about Laddie? Sounds like here, boy. Come on, Laddie. <laughs> I must have hit my head harder than I thought. Do you smoke? Mind if I do? <laughs> oh, sorry, cheat. I hope I didn't seize the fur. Yo, Rockman. Haven't seen you in a few millennia. Give me some tassel. <laughs> Yo, yo. Say, you're a lot smaller than my last master. Either that or I'm getting bigger. Look at me from the side. Do I look different to you? Wait, wait a minute. I'm your master? That's right. He can be taught. What would you wish of me? The ever impressive. The one contained. But never duplicate. Duplicate. From the lamp, right here for your very much wish fulfillment. Thank you. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Wish fulfillment? Three wishes to be exact. An ixnay on the wishing for more wishes. That's it. Three. One of those three. No substitutions, exchanges, or refund. <laughs> now I know I'm dreaming. I mean, Robin Williams, man, what more can you say? I'm telling you. He's so great. You you just... They, oh. It's it's a shame that we can't put the animation to radio format for you guys to be able to watch the whole thing, but maybe we can find the link for you guys to have in the description or something so you can visualize it because it's just it's so much fun to watch. It really is. You certainly can't buy the movie and watch it if you don't already have it. <laughs> We're going to go there again? Yeah. We, We're going to go there I'm again. Sorry. I, I feel... I'm sorry. I shouldn't have brought that up, but it still eats at me. Something tells me we're going to be talking about this next week as well. Probably so. You can't buy that one in stores, too. you got to go to the theater. What? That's ridiculous. They should put the old one back in theaters. That's what they should do. They should do, like, a double feature. They needed to do that for all of their animated-to-live-action movies, honestly. 
like you should have the option of being able to watch the original Cinderella and then watch the new one. You should be able to watch the old Beauty and the Beast and then watch the Emma Watson Beauty and the Beast. You should be able to watch the old 67 Jungle Book and then the John Favreau Jungle Book. We need, okay, we need, not want, we need to see the original Lion King on the big screen and then watch the new Lion King. I am extremely adamant about that. I will host my own movie night and put a projector against my garage door if I have to or something like that. But I will be watching The Lion King on a big screen in some capacity before I go see the new one. That's just going to happen. It's so good. Yeah, yeah. I've heard Disney is pretty hard-nosed about allowing their films to be shown in like theaters like you know like certain theaters like you they can request like a a print of a movie to like show on a special occasion like an older film and disney won't usually do it which sucks because you know a lot of these movies that you know i i, I as i said i was in diapers when this movie came out i didn't get a chance to go see it in 92 all right i i'm pretty sure zach you weren't even born <laughs> Hush now. So, so Hush now. you didn't even a lot of you guys in the audience probably especially didn't get a chance to see it. So like put it back in theaters. I want to see this on the big screen. It deserves to be viewed on a big screen. See, that's one of the things that I was super appreciative about when Jurassic Park celebrated its twentieth anniversary. They did a three D re release for like one week or something around the anniversary. And I jumped all over that puppy and I went and saw the original ninety three Jurassic Park in theaters because I didn't get to see it as a baby, and getting to see it as an adult on the big screen, there is nothing like it. I thoroughly enjoyed that, and I want to have that experience again with Star Wars, you know? That's why I'm so excited about um, the, the the Rise of Skywalker, uh-huh. being able to see that on the big screen, but I would love to see Empire on the well, big and screen. See, they you do know? that at Celebration. They actually offer, they have like special like screening rooms where they're just showing the films. You never have time to actually go see the movies because there's so much other stuff going on. But like, I remember we watched um 3D version of Revenge of the Sith. I think it was in Anaheim. And we specifically stayed behind after because A New Hope was playing. And none of us, it was me, Chris, Dominic, a bunch of us, had never seen A New Hope on a big screen. So we just stayed there and watched that iconic opening scene just so we could see it on a screen bigger than we've ever seen it before. So wow. that was special. We could see, didn't see the, get to see the whole movie, but still, like, there is this thing with, like, so many movies that we love, never got the chance to see them on a big screen. I would make time for Empire. Oh, 100%, yeah. 110%. I don't care if we've had like a super long day at the convention hall and it starts at 1 in the morning or something like that. I am watching and see, that, And see, boy. I've heard, like I haven't been there. Well, actually, actually, I was. For instance, if there was some fun ones. But like for Empire, there's always some great reactions from the crowd. Like when Vader says the iconic line, there's, the whole crowd goes, no! And they all react to it. And, and <laughs> in Revenge of the Sith, there's the scene in the council where Anakin and you know May says take a seat young Skywalker and or something like that and and Anakin goes what and someone in the crowd goes say what again <laughs> that just I love the audience reactions so good oh man that's that's what I love about watching those movies and we'll have to talk about that another time but I love 
watching movies with an intelligent audience. And I didn't feel like my Endgame audience was very intelligent, but the Star Wars audience is always super awesome. Yes, it's so good. And we're going to the Chinese theater. That's the best audience. Dude. It's going to be great. Dude. I'm just going to throw... So many... I'm just going to throw that out so there for anybody. So many great memories lining, from that. Lining so, up, so lining up.net, we're going to be seeing with... With that group, liningup.net at the Chinese Theater. If you're in the area or you're planning on being in the area, go sign up and go tell us so that we can get our seats together or we can watch the film all together. Anybody in the Man. audience, that's an open invitation for you guys. Do it and then come hang out with us in the courtyard because there's a lot of fun stuff that oh, happens out there too. Yeah. We got to hang out with Steven Stanton right before we went and saw him play Admiral Raddus in the movie. That was hella cool. Yep, and then there was, like, other, like, Gary Whitta, the writer of Rogue One, just happened to, like, I think show up at one time. Like, there's so... Because it's Hollywood, like, it's, anything can happen. So, uh, mm-hmm. who knows? Very, very true. Uh, uh, let's let's go ahead and extend a special invite to our patrons. Yeah, though. absolutely. <laughs> uh, Joey, Jake, Rachel, Dan, Parker... You guys are specifically invited. We can't do anything to like financially contribute to you being out there, although that would be a dream of ours one day, is to like bring listeners and patrons and people like that out to special exclusive events with us. That's that's a big dream that's probably somewhere way, way, way down the road, but I'm just going to go ahead and extend a special invite to all of you guys. If you can make it, I would like to get a seat like right next to you as like a special thank you. I promise I don't have terrible BO, so it'll be a fine doing experience. <laughs> But if you're interested in becoming a patron of the IPC Podcast, please go check us out at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. There's a patron button there that you can find. There's also a a link to our entire library, our entire database of every episode that we've ever done. Patrons are the only ones that have exclusive access to every episode. We've given you like 10 or 15 that are free that you can listen to on your own. But everything else, we're asking for like one or two U.S. dollars a month to be able to help make ends meet for us. And believe me, every dollar helps. So if you want to be a financial contributor to that, please let us know. We will get you set up so that we can continue to thank you in new and creative ways and uh, just let you continue to be an awesome part of the IPC family. Those people have been with us for a long time, and we appreciate everything that they've done. But we're always looking for other people that uh, have caught the vision for the podcast and want to do more. So if that's you, please reach out to us. Absolutely. And just reach out to us anyway. Find us on social media at IPC Podcast on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. And find us on StarWarsUnderworld.com for any uh, new releases and recaps. And also, that's your source for the latest news, rumors, uh, release dates, casting announcements, and fan fictions, and anything else from the galaxy far, far away. They are proud partners of the IPC Podcast, and that's why we publish our stuff there. But we're also on iTunes. We're also on Google Play. We're on CastBox. Uh, The only thing we're not on is like SoundCloud and YouTube, although maybe we need to work on that. Who knows? But the best place to find us, as I mentioned, is our hosting site, Podbean. Go find us at ipcpodcast.podbean.com. Absolutely. 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 It's like Iago. Absolutely. You know what? I have an idea for our next segment. It just occurred to me. It just hit me. It just hit me in the head. I'm I'm excited to to hear this new bright idea because I was a little stumped. But I guess it's time to unstump ourselves. So ladies and gentlemen, get out your hashtags. Put them in the chat if you're listening live. Put them on social media if you're not. Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, Pinterest and everything else in between. 
because it is time for that famous time for like the 240th-ish time. Hashtag BBQ Watch. Barbecue. 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 No, I'm not going to do it. Anyway, <laughs> I'm not going to go through with it. So my idea. So what I'm thinking about it, it reminded me we 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 talked about we talked a good bit about Iago. Is that his name? Iago? Did I did I say it right? I Iago. Iago. How did I get that wrong? That just go my, Iago go. Man, that, my brain just went. <laughs> I was like, I can't say that word anymore. I can't say the name Iago, which we we both love, and. One of the best gags throughout the movie is the fact that he's kind of playing the part of a bird, <laughs> but he's a full functioning bird. He can talk like he has full conversations, like he's he's fully aware of what's going on. But he kind of like plays the part. Whack! He's he's kind of squawking all this kind of stuff. And anytime he's around the Sultan, he gets crackers from him, and he gets, <laughs> he gets crackers stuffed in his face, and he hates it so much so he gets revenge on Sultan later because. Uh, he starts stuffing crackers. It's such a weird scene, too. They dress him up like a marionette, and just every time he tries to talk... That is. That is a dark scene. That's a twisted-up scene. So, crackers. It just occurred to me. It just occurred to me. Like, you know, obviously, you know, Ego, he, 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 he hates crackers, obviously. He's not your typical parrot, but some humans like crackers. I like crackers. What would barbecue crackers be like? What, not just like barbecue flavored crackers, which I think are a thing somewhere, but also like putting barbecue stuff on a cracker, like a, a saltine or like, I don't know, you know, those captain's wafers things, like those sweet ones. Like you put like pork on it, like nachos, like treated like nachos. I don't know. It seems weird and like out there, but also could work. I don't know. I'm just kind of, I'm just kind of like brainstorming here on the fly here because I never really thought about it. But at the same time, it sounds interesting. Well, I mean, crackers are such an interesting accessory and and versatile because I've I've seen them get used in little snack dishes uh, for parties and things like that. I've seen them get used as like part of the. The minute, like 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 an adult lunchables, if you will, you get little pieces of lunch meat and you know mini slices of cheese, and you kind of like make your own little mini slider type things right. out of them, if you will. Uh, I've got a relative that puts it in their chili. You you crumble it up instead of fritos or corn chips or something like that. You put crackers in your mm -hmm. chili. So I mean, you could put them in your soup too if you wanted to. I don't usually, but it's a possibility. So putting it in your barbecue is not necessarily too far-fetched, or having it as an accompaniment to barbecue. The problem is barbecue already has so many iconic sides, I can't think of anybody that would choose crackers as one of their side items. 
it would have to be a complimentary thing that sits kind of right next to the sauces or something. If you've got like a like a, like an assembly line kind of thing and you're like picking and choosing your stuff, it would need to be one of those complimentary items that you could just pick a few of them up and like add it to your dish if you wanted right. to. Right. Yeah. I don't think it's something that I could actually charge for and make a profit off no. of. But I do think putting some of your some of your barbecue meat on it or dipping it in the sauce and just eating it with the sauce would be a possibility. I think crumbling it up and putting it in your baked beans or something like that could be a possibility. I definitely see the potential, but I'm thinking more along the lines of Ritz crackers, and you were thinking more along the lines of saltines. So yeah, Ritz, Ritz I could guess work it, too. Yeah. I guess I guess part of it just depends on what you're trying to use it for and what kind of tone you're trying to set in the restaurant. Because if you're giving out free crackers, you're probably also giving out free Jello and other stuff like that. Like you've you've got to be part of that complimentary vibe. That's like, ooh, look at all these things that aren't costing me money. I am now interested in spending money at this establishment because of all the things that they are providing me with. I don't know. I don't know if that's something that a lot of barbecue restaurants do, but I thrive on accessories and complimentary accessories, especially there's this one place in South Texas that is awesome because part of their assembly line is like a sweet tea stand. So you can get your, your sweet tea refills whenever you want. Um, It's also got like two or three different types of barbecue sauce. And um, then there's also a part of the assembly line that's like an island in the middle of the dining area. It's not something up near the front. It's like completely on its own. And at the end of all of that is a uh, a warmer that keeps a pot of baked beans warm for you. Mm. So you can just add beans to your meal the whole time. You have to get like a plate or a sandwich or a potato or something like that. But then once you do, the beans are complimentary throughout the whole rest of the of the eating experience. And so I would probably have my crackers on an assembly line like that with all my other complimentary things, probably like pickle slices or jalapenos or something in that area as well. But I don't I don't necessarily see crackers as something I could charge people extra for. That would just be something that I would want to provide as part of the service to my restaurant. Yeah. Yeah, it's interesting that, you know, uh, you know who knows? I, I, there's so many, as with a lot of, discussions we have in this segment like there's so many possibilities you know with you know what you could actually do with a cracker and uh you know take it you know you can put crackers in things you can put stuff on crackers <laughs> right right for you personally what would you use the cracker for for me personally i'd get like a i'd get like a ritz and put like or get like several ritz and like place them out like 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 nachos and do like uh You'll pull pork just a little bit, enough to fit on there with some cheese, and like maybe sandwich it. I'm not sure. Like I think that would be great. It'd be it'd be crazy, but it'd be great. I was thinking diced brisket or some pulled chicken, maybe. That's possible too. And then I I I, w- I guess I would use cheese, but I would probably be light on the cheese and be a little bit more heavy on on the sauce. Mm-hmm. I would put like a like a like a barbecue sauce drizzle across all of it just to make it a little more savory. Yeah, I could see that totally. Especially especially with the salt of a saltine or a Ritz, um, you would need something to kind of counterbalance how dry it would make your mouth feel. So 
I would think being generous with the sauce on a plate like that would be very important. Yeah, yeah, I, I totally agree. You you definitely you could use sauce in different ways too. That's very true. That's very true. Uh, before we close for tonight, I've got one question for you that's completely unrelated, completely <laughs> off topic, completely totally out there. But I'm curious: Have you seen the trailer for the new Pixar movie Onward yet? No, I haven't. Okay, that is something we're going to have to talk about at the top of next week's episode then. Ben's going to watch the trailer for Onward. That'll be one of the first things that we talk about. I have a lot of thoughts about it. It's just that those thoughts did not come to me until just now. Oh, okay. See, I I saw – I lied a little bit. I saw part of it. I saw, like, the first bit of it, but I haven't seen the full trailer. So I'm I'm, I'm, like – that's the cast with, like, you got – um, Chris Pratt, Tom Holland, Julie mm-hmm. Julie Louise mm-hmm. Dreyfus, like great yep. cast. So I'm I'm yep. that's that's looking to me. I mean, it's Disney, Pixar, like come on. It it looks really really interesting. It, it it's kind of got some Lego Movie vibes to it, just because of the whole Chris Pratt element. But it's also got some trolls element to it. It's got some How to Train Your Dragon element to it. It's it's one of those things that feels kind of like a conglomerate, if you will, but yet also got some signature Pixar to it. So I'm really intrigued to see how it all plays out, and I'm just excited for a new and original storyline. Don't get me wrong, I'm going to see Toy Story 4, but I'm probably more excited for Onward than I am for Toy Story 4. Just putting Pixar, that out there. Pixar, even they haven't always succeeded with their original projects, but I, I always appreciate when they... I, I, think, I think they're stronger when they're you know, going out there and doing new things as opposed to just going back and doing sequels. Yep, very true. So we will give you guys our full thoughts and impressions on the trailer at the top of next week's episode. But, Ben, unless you've got anything else to cover, I think that's it for the night. I think we did it. I think we did great. And this was a lot of fun. As I said, this has been a long time coming for me, revisiting this movie and watching... (laughs) I've been consumed by Aladdin this week. I watched both of these movies back to back, basically. And, uh, mm. yeah, I have had a lot of thoughts about both of them. And I'm looking forward to sharing my thoughts, my full spoiler filled thoughts on the new film when we get back. I'm looking forward to hearing what you have to say, too. And looking forward to whatever you guys. So, yeah, guys, you have at least a week to see the new one. So, go see it. And then you can come back and, uh,. Write us a tweet or something like that. Tell us how you feel about it, and we'll read it on the show next week. Very true. Very true. Go find us on social media at IPC Podcast, and you can follow us personally as well. You can find me at Zach, Z-A-C underscore DFW, or I've got a new platform now for some new broadcasting adventures that I'm heading out towards. You can find me on Twitter as well at Zach the Voice, Z-A-C-H the Voice. Uh, I'm working on a, on a new sports broadcasting program, so... Uh, yeah go find me there as well and you can find ben on all the social media platforms at ben hart with no e correct yes sir indeed Uh, just spell it out phonetically you'll find it but i do believe that's going to cover everything that we had to talk about on tonight's episode so i'm gonna go ahead and call it episode 240 is now officially in the books just 10 away from our 250th episode that is a crazy thought But for Benjamin Hart, I'm Zach Arnold. Thank you for tuning in this week. We hope that you'll tune in next week for our continuation of the discussion of Aladdin. Hopefully, anyways. 
But until that time comes around, we just want to leave you with this closing thought. Friendship shows us who we really are. And we really hope to see you friends next time here on IPC. But until then, good night, everyone. Master you in luck, cause up your sleeves, you got a brand of magic never fails. You got some power in your corner now, some heavy ammunition in your can. You got some punch, and you who and how, say all you gotta do is rub that lamp. And I'll say, Mr. Lancer, what will your pleasure be? Let me take your order, jot it down, you ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> Life is your restaurant, and I'm your melody. Come on, whisper what it is you want. You ain't never had a friend like me. Yes, sir. We pride ourselves on service. You're the boss, the king, the shot. Say what you wish. It's yours. True dish about a little more boggly As I'm a column A, try all of column B. I'm in the mood to help you, dude. You ain't never had a friend like me. No, my. The little hat. Can your friends go? Woo! Well, look at here. Can your friends go? Abracadabra. Let her rip! And then make the sucker disappear. So you think that's like your bucket hide? I'm here to answer all your business plans. You got me bona fide certified. You got a genie for a child to fail. I got a power bar to help you out. So what you wish, I really want to know. You got a list that's three miles long, no doubt. Well, all you gotta do is rub like so. Oh, Mr. Lannister, have a shot two or three. I'm on the job, you big nabob. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend, never had a friend. You ain't never had a friend like me. <laughs> you ain't never had a friend like me. What'll it be, Master? <laughs> You're gonna grant me any three wishes I want, right? Uh, almost. There are a few uh, provisos, a, a couple of quid pro quos. Like? Uh, rule number one, I can't kill anybody. <laughs> yeah, so don't ask. Uh, rule number two, I can't make anybody fall in love with anybody else. Mwah! You little put them there. Rule number three, I can't bring people back from the dead. <laughs> It's not a pretty picture. I don't like doing it. Other than that, you got it. <sighs> Provisos? You mean limitations on wishes? <laughs> Some all-powerful genie. Can't even bring people back from the dead. I don't know, Abu. You probably can't even get us out of this cave. Looks like we're gonna have to find a way out of here. Excuse me? <laughs> Are you looking at me? Did you rub my lamp? Did you wake me up? Did you bring me here? And all of a sudden, you're walking out on me? I don't think so. Not right now. You're getting your wishes, so sit In case of emergency, the exits are here, 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 anywhere. Keep your hands and arms inside the carpet. We... <laughs>